Full Court Fits is The Ringer's new weekly NBA video series hosted by Big Waz, aka Wozni Lambre. Each week, we take you around the world of NBA fashion and share can't-miss style choices from your favorite players and keep you up to date on the latest news and releases in sneaker culture. Waz also talks to experts like Damian Lillard's personal stylists to give you behind-the-scenes looks at how the NBA's biggest stars choose their outfits. New episodes drop every Friday, so make sure you're subscribed to The Ringer's YouTube channel at youtube.com slash The Ringer so you never miss an episode. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. I love the NBA. When game day comes around, win or lose, this is the beer you want. Michelob Ultra, my go-to right now because I'm a light beer guy. Sorry, hate to break it to you. You know, I'll mess around with some other ones, but for the most part, really ever since college, I've been a light beer guy. Michelob Ultra, not only does it taste great, 95 calories, crisp and refreshing. Put it in your fridge. Watch how people just grab it. All of a sudden, they're gone. I also like Michelob Ultra because they're getting fans closer to the game right now than ever before with exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like signed memorabilia and courtside seats. Enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. This episode is brought to you by TurboTax. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, filing with 100% accuracy and getting your max refund guaranteed. So whether you've side hustled your way to playoff tickets, auctioned off those vintage jerseys, or started a sports podcast of your own, hey, you're like me, switch to TurboTax and make your moves count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com slash guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. We're also brought to you by TheRinger.com as well as the Ringer Podcast Network. Put up a new rewatchables on Monday night. We did the 30th anniversary of Boys in the Hood. I think one of the most influential and important movies of the last 30 years. Van Lathan was with me. Sean Fennessy, Logan Murdoch. Had a, had a really good time doing that one. That's a great movie. Uh, so check that out if you haven't heard it. Don't forget to check out on Green Room, Spotify's new live audio app. We've been messing around there a lot, especially right after games. Uh, simulcasting stuff that eventually goes on the Ringer NBA show or the Mismatch. So we're all doing some good work on that stuff. If you haven't checked it out, sign up. It's a pretty cool app. They're going to be the official launch will probably be a little bit later this year, but right now it's a soft launch. So we're doing a little experimenting, but check it out. Green Room, download the app and uh, and you can join one of our weird rooms as we break down basketball and eventually football and pop culture stuff and everything else. So check that out. Coming up, I have a hodgepodge podcast for you. We're going to react to Bucks Hawks game four with Bucks superfan Ben Thompson from the Stratechery blog, who is uh we'll see what kind of frame of mind he's in after that game. And then Matt Bellany, who has been on this podcast before, one of our Hollywood insiders, we're gonna talk about what's going on with box office this year and then some of the streaming stuff. That one's fun as well. And then finally, my favorite guest, my number one. Uh, Zoe Simmons, my daughter, who just turned 16 last month, but she did her uh, Teen Culture Awards for the end of 2020, and we are doing the half-season awards for the first half of 2021. And if you want to hear me get made fun of, you'll definitely hear it during that part of the podcast. So that's it. It's all coming up. First, our friends from Pearl Jam.
All right, we're taping this. It is 11 Eastern time on Tuesday night. Ben Thompson, Super Bucks fan from the Stratechery blog, was supposed to be on this podcast to talk about Giannis. Bucks up 3-1, no Trey Young. Just have a nice, easy, breezy conversation. Is Giannis underrated? Uh, midway through the third quarter, that took a dramatic turn for the worse. Giannis on the ground. Me and Ben texting back and forth. And I totally understand this as a sports fan. He's like, I don't think I can come on. And I get it. I've been, we've all been there with our favorite teams. Fortunately, I was able to recruit two doctors from the ringer uh, <laughs> right out of the gate. Chris Ryan, big was, was. Um, Giannis had hit that LeBron zone where you just assume there was no way he could ever get injured. Nothing could ever happen to him. He was superhuman. And even if like, you know, a chainsaw cut his leg off, he would just go walk over, put it back on his leg and just go back running up down. What was your reaction as you saw he wasn't going to get up? You know, I thought it was an ankle first. And but like the the problem is that I assumed Kyrie's ankle was going to be fine. Even as bad as it looks, it just always feels like guys come back from ankle injuries semi-hobbled, but come back fairly quickly mm. from those. In the past, they did anyway. So I was like, I thought Kyrie was would miss one game tops. Then he'd do the crazy tape and injections and sort of limp around there and make it happen. Kind of like Isaiah Thomas did back right. in the 80s, right? Like, I assume that would happen with Kyrie. But then Kyrie doesn't come back. Of course, we had LeBron as the, the example beforehand. And now Giannis. And now I'm, so now I'm kind of... I'm scared of ankle injuries now. I'm going reverse on them now because of the this past few months with two completely huge superstars integral to everything that their teams do, going having ankle injuries take them out for extended periods of time. So I was like, damn. Yeah, but this was a, this ankle. was the hyperextended knee though. But th but then they're like hyperextension. I'm just like, that's kind of better. <laughs> like, yeah, right, I don't know. Right. I don't know. It's crazy. You're just reading body language at that point when he when he yep. walks back to the bench. You're just like, oh yeah. Well, I mean, like if it had torn or <laughs> something like that, there's no way he's standing by the bench. And if it was close, he would have gone back in. So it's like we're just reading tea leaves at a certain point. Watching him go down though, and thinking about all the injuries that we've seen, including even Trey Young who didn't play tonight, it reminded me of that. Um, the meme that goes around with uh, James Franco from that Coen Brothers movie where he's got the noose around his neck and he turns to the other guy next to him. He's like, first time. And it's like, that's right. everybody in the league. It's just like, yeah, man, your star franchise player go down with a debilitating injury. Join the club. Yeah, Chris, it, you got off pretty well with the Embiid thing. He was able to play with his debilitating injury. These other teams, I just think no, at this my, point- No, my, my injury was more of like a sort of ambiguous, psychological, emotional injury to like the, <laughs> the, the point guard. Yeah. Right. yeah, a broken brain to Ben Simmons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I think Lord. at this point, was is it just fair if Devin Booker just has to sit out so every team cannot have a star? <laughs> maybe, maybe this is how we remember the playoffs. Everybody's missing a guy. And then it's like, all right- Rest of the team, let's go. Let's see who the champ is. I mean, I know you're joking, but it's really been that stark. Uh, you got to think about AD, Jamal Murray, Kawhi Leonard, now Giannis Antetokounmpo. It's just, it's been... How about J James Harden, Kyrie Irving? James yeah. Harden, Kyrie Irving. Like, these are the best players the game has to Mitchell, offer. Mitchell compromised. It's 
like there's no like I know because a lot of times when we see injuries in the playoffs, the sort of contrarian take is to be like, there's always injuries every single year, blah blah blah. I think we're just you know we're overly uh, emotional about it this year. It, we're being prisoners of the moment. We're not taking history into account. This shit is unprecedented. Yeah. This and it's, is yeah. unprecedented. And it's not all that. It's like, it would be one thing, I think, if there was a lot of wear and tear, soft tissue injuries, which I think is what a lot of the load management conversation centers around. And I bet, like, I think when Jamal Murray happened, I was like, this is just a guy who's been playing way too many games in too few days. And like, they're, they're gunning for a seating. And it's just like... End of the, near the end of the game. And it was near the end minutes, of the game. Yeah. And you were just like, Jesus Christ, he'd been like kind of limping around out there. But Trey steps on a ref's foot. You know what I mean? Like the Giannis, that's a rebound that that happens what fifty times a game. You know, like the LeBron stepped on somebody's Kyrie. foot. Yeah, Kyrie stepped on somebody's foot. These are like freak accident. It could happen any game. Mm -hmm. It's just so much. It just so happens that they've all happened in a in a five six week uh, stretch. Yeah, I've said this before. I'm actually surprised stuff like this doesn't happen more. You'd think just just big guys jumping around in the air all the time around feet and other people's you know, jumping and people getting bumped. And even you think about like the Gordon Hayward injury where Crowder kind of shoved him a tiny bit, knocked him just off balance. And all of a sudden his ankles break in half. It, it almost feels like this should happen more often. So here's a, not a theory, but a question is just like, because I was thinking about and uh, some of the injuries that we've seen. Is it just a matter of like, Every play, every rebound, every bucket is just a little bit more contested. There's just a little bit more physicality. It's not that it's like 90s physicality, but like a, sh a shot that you would just ordinarily, somebody would make a business decision and be like, you know what, man, it's February. Go ahead and dunk that. Is now like mm. a little, maybe a guy's underneath of you and you come down and you hit a guy's foot or there's somebody a little bit tighter to you than they were. Wait, can we workshop this take? Like... I'm trying to think of the, the it's like, greeny, it's like, the does greeny competition, Does increased competition breed these kinds of freak accidents? How about this? Are the NBA players too athletic? That's coming up next. <laughs> you know, and, and people are not going to want to hear this, but I think that NBA games are more strenuous than they've ever been. I think the level I agree with you. of physical exertion that these guys are doing on both ends of the floor where dudes are digging in on the plane, on, on, at, at, in the paint, then sprinting out to a guy who's not shooting at 19 feet. He's shooting at 24, 25 feet. And you got to yeah. get on a dead sprint to cover that. And then, of course, this chasing around the Steph Currys and the Klay Thompsons of the world all game long. Like the, the level of physical exertion, I think is higher than it's ever been. And, you know, look, I'm not going to say, I'm not one of those guys who likes to say, oh, Michael Jordan was playing against mechanics and, you know, basically the, the Brooklyn <laughs> brawler back in the 80s, right? Like that's a ridiculous thing to say. But if you do watch those games, they don't, the defenses don't look, look like how they do now. The, they don't play as hard for the four quarters that's like what they I'm do saying. now. Yeah. I agree with you. And I think that's definitely has its effect on how often guys are getting injured. They're, they're, they're exerting themselves um, to a higher degree now. There's also, and this has been brought up a bunch of times, especially over the course of these playoffs, but Embiid, when he first got injured against the Wizards, that was off of like a one-handed ball fake from outside the arc and then like, a, gl a glorious stride into the lane and Daniel Gafford was there. But like seven foot yeah. two centers are usually not doing that. 
they were not doing that in the nineties. Like, you know, you know, Bill Cartwright was not doing a, a one handed ball fake and then Euro stepping into the lane for a dunk. And that's what, that's what these guys are doing with their bodies now. I, I just checked LeBron's Twitter feed because I wanted to see if he was going to go on a rant about the injuries, but he just did a, a prayer signal for I was like, Giannis am I that boring? Oh, man. Which somehow is 61,000 61, retweets. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 but and you're the, not on Twitter. <laughs> no, no, I just checked out just for that, for the, for the content. I'm, you should I'm, unfollow content. everybody but LeBron. <laughs> LeBron and like Danny Heifetz. Yeah. Those would be my two people. Oh my goodness. Well, look, and and the thing is, again, with Trey Young and his foot, like that feels like that's very serious. It feels like that's something you're unlikely to come back from in this short a span. If you go from I can't even move right to being the lead engine of this offense specifically, this heliocentric offense that depends on him for everything damn near, like that's, yeah. to me, that's even more dire than the Giannis situation. I feel like Giannis is going to come back with that hyperextension. Trey Young I, feels cooked. We both, we all, all three of us know where this is headed. And this is headed towards Cam Reddish versus Nick Batum in the NBA finals. I can't wait. That's fucking a. It's been it's been brewing for years. It's been brewing for years and years. Let's go back to Giannis for a second, because mm -hmm. the thing Ben and I were going to talk about today, you know, but, but the Bucks fans, the Bucks fans were touchy even before this injury. But I think they basically felt like, you know, say what you want, and I get it. Like we're the only team that has a superstar left, but you guys are kind of underselling how good Giannis is. Giannis has been. 40 minutes a game. He's done everything you could possibly ask for. Everybody's focusing on the fact that he can't make a couple free throws and he takes some dumb threes every once in a while. And this guy has been, you know, going balls out on both ends. He did everything you ever would have wanted from him in the Brooklyn series. He's actually gotten better as the playoffs have gotten along. He's added a little low post thing that, you know, he's had in spurts, but feels like, you know, way uh way more reliable than usual and he's just a guaranteed 32 and 14 every night he's basically putting up Shaq in the early 2000s playoff numbers and it's like so if you if you want to do the laundry list of all the guys who've been hurt and why this Bucks title if they manage to win it doesn't matter at least give Giannis credit that he's a great guy and a not very good team um this team's good it's not great he's great and give him some credit so you think like this is all set for Giannis, like Suns Clippers, the Suns can't even decide whether they want to take that series or not. You know, it's like the Clippers are like, here, we don't have Kawhi. We're just going to, we're going to play Boogie Cousins. Like we don't have any fucking clue. Um, who's going to show up game to game. And the Suns are like, uh, uh, what do we do? Um, and it was all lined up for the Bucks, and now it's been pulled away. It feels cruel, Chris Ryan. This one feels this is a cruel injury at a cruel point of that series for Bucks fans. I I try to think about like what I would think about these playoffs in five years, right? And if the Bucks had won the, the championship and Le, and Giannis continued this procession, I think I would have looked back. We would have looked back and we would have said that was when Giannis joined this different echelon of NBA star. That's when he proved it. That's when he he sort of like sealed the deal on those two MVPs. And I think that even no matter how many like asterisks or footnotes this, this playoffs would have had Giannis winning the finals would have kind of like felt right. It would have made sense. And, and he definitely performed like that was going to happen. Like he's been 
you know, I, I've seen a lot of Shaq comparisons and like he is basically unstoppable in the post, but the way he accumulates those numbers kind of reminded me of Duncan, where you're just like kind of watching and watching and then you're just like, wait a second, does he have 28 and 12? Like, the, yeah, you know what I mean? And you're midway through the fourth quarter. So that's what I mean. That's what it was making me think of. Well, it also was. Remember 2012? That was when I wrote the footnote title article for Grantland about Derrick Rose goes down. That was disrespectful. There was a, that was disrespectful yeah, to LeBron. Well, there the was a bunch of injuries here. that year, and it was like, look, <laughs> whoever wins this year, <laughs> whoever wins this year, there's there's going to be an asterisk. And I was like, I don't like the word asterisk. I like the word footnote. I think, you know, the footnote, depending on the injuries and whatever, but the, every title has some sort of footnote. 2012 is clearly going to have a major footnote. The Bulls were the best team. Derrick Rose got hurt. Um, there were a bunch of other injuries in the West. Nine years later, nobody remembers any of that stuff. They just remember LeBron was great and he won his first title. And I do think the Sage was set for that for Giannis. And now it's like, I mean, Waz, are you, are you able to wrap your head around a Hawks finals appearance with Bogdanovich on one leg? <laughs> Trey Young nursing yeah. a foot bruise from a ref the, the first time in a while. A ref's hurt a player. Yeah. The reddish in the rooster. It's a it's a buddy it could, cop movie. Capella's got a broken nose. It looks like he has something really bad happened to him at the end of the game. They're on their second coach. This could be our champion. First of all, I want to ask Chris Ryan to. I want to make sure that we've settled on a euphemism for uh, Hoarder's redhead nature like what 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 are we going with officially i'm, I'm personally you're the fine with ginger this. but like i i oh, understand so we, apparently that is like that's that's frowned upon now because i call him ginger is frowned upon yeah, i think so yeah cool. that really yeah oh wow especially wow. In, okay. the, in the uk isles like in the greater the great mm. in great britain and in the, in the so island. there's ginger shaming now yeah i think it's like mm. kind of like yeah, but mm. but like I, as, as so, a, I have a redheaded aunt and a redheaded uncle, and we've been making you know ginger aunt like so. That's I'm out. I can't. I, I have to come up I, with something else. Yeah, I have to. I, 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 I really want to dig into this. Wait, so <laughs> we we can't we can't acknowledge, but are we still allowed to acknowledge that he's got flaming red hair? Absolutely. No. Yeah. We're not. No, we're not allowed. No, we are <laughs> not allowed. He's, not allowed to mention we, it. We get. We can. We can acknowledge that Kayvon has red hair for sure. Yeah. Okay. It's one of his defining Kayvon. characters. Yeah. Okay, okay. Cool. So. What, what's what's his nickname now though? Because because I I made the mistake of calling him Red Mamba. Apparently that was taken by Matt, Matt Barner. Barner. Yeah, and then I was like, isn't he the Red Rifle? And they were like, no, that's Andy Dalton. What what is he? I, I like I personally. I go with Herder. She wrote. Mmm, Herder. She wrote. <laughs> I, okay. I go with, I can't believe this guy didn't make the Olympic team over Kevin fucking Love. That's my nickname for him. <laughs> Kevin Love hasn't done anything That's, in three no, years. Bill yours is on our Olympic team. For sure. Yeah. You like mine more? Yeah. yeah maybe it, there's some acronym it'll fit for it. on a t-shirt better. Yeah. And honestly, it's, to jump back to Giannis really quickly, um, I never said Giannis wasn't great. I just felt like the Bucks were not maximizing what he's able to do with somebody yeah. who helps him create. But I think you've seen as this series has progressed, his him on the pick and roll as the guy setting the screen and not only subsisting on, oh, I'm just trying to, you know, one-on-one -on -one and dribble, dribble, dribble has been amazing for them, particularly against the Hawks. And I think he's found something and something about this playoffs has allowed Giannis to kind of figure it out. How's the best that I should be attacking, you know, based on opponent, based on situation, based on who's out there as far as my teammates and the lineups? Like, he's been allowed to do that. Now, 
Bucks fans are going to be mad about this. He's only been allowed to do this because they didn't get cracked by a real team, mm -hmm. right? Like, they played a, a severely diminished Brooklyn team in the second round and barely eked out a victory there. So we could be talking about a guy who's out in the second round right now, not learning all of these hard lessons in the Eastern Conference Finals right now. Like, that could easily be, have been the case. So like Chris said, if he would have went on figured this series out, then wins the championship. And we're like, we all understand how crazy this season was and this championship was. But, but this, 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 was, this was deemed, the, the God said it was going to happen. Sure. And guess what, though? This, this playoffs has prepared Giannis for what he's going to have to do in the future while continue to win championships. And I'd have been fine with that story, honestly. I, it's not like I'm going to be like, well, you know, like my man Stugatz would say, well, in the Stugatz's personal um, <laughs> record book, such and such doesn't have um, this many championships because I dock him for X, Y, Z. I wouldn't have done that to Giannis, but I think it's, you can't deny that having played these diminished teams is what has allowed him to learn these lessons. Chris, We're you getting, know what it's like? It's, it's like those Oscar years when like Adrian Brody wins Best Actor. Right. And right. you're like, no. oh. I, I guess we didn't have a better performance <laughs> or it, this it, year. Or it's when somebody, Meryl Streep and the Iron Lady. It's yeah. like, oh, I, I guess guess we couldn't top that one. And they just kind of move on to the next year. Hope for a better Oscars. So this this Giannis championship is crash. <laughs> yeah, this season's crash. Quite literally. Are we over? Like, I, I'm. I, I guess I'm. I, I do want to. Like, I, I would imagine that the Bucks players tonight just had the wind taken out of them. You know what I mean? Like the Hawks pour it on. Yeah, you could see it. Giannis goes out and they're just probably thinking like, if that dude tore his ACL, this is it. But there's yep. part of me that feels like, and I guess this is also coming, I still have PTSD from the Sixers series with the Hawks and I'm sure Knicks fans do as well. There's part of me that feels like Drew and Chris should be able to beat the Hawks. Especially, well, they, especially a Hawks without, the, without Trey Young. This is the secret sauce of this Giannis injury tonight. They were getting their ass kicked before yeah. he got hurt. Mm -hmm. And and <laughs> I thought the TNT guys did a really good job at halftime being like, what the fuck is going on with this Bucks team? Like, and I thought Charles put it perfectly. This is a very, a very good team, not a great team, but they have no killer instinct. And if they were a great team, this is a step on your neck. You don't have Trey Young. We're taking you out and we're going to end this series in five. And they didn't. And so even before he got out, it was, I thought, an embarrassing effort by them. And, you know, it goes back to the issue that we've had with this entire playoffs, even as entertaining as it's been and unpredictable as it's been and as weird as it's been, it's just there's no greatness. There you know, isn't. and the only team that had real greatness, I think, was Brooklyn. I think they're, I think they could have hit a level with those three guys that really would have been memorable. And once that was taken away, it became a crapshoot. I want to talk a little bit more. We got to take a quick break. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. I love the NBA. When game day comes around, win or lose, this is the beer you want. Michelob Ultra, my go-to right now because I'm a light beer guy. Sorry, hate to break it to you. You know, I'll mess around with some other ones, but for the most part, really ever since college, I've been a light beer guy. Michelob Ultra, not only does it taste great, 95 calories, crisp and refreshing. Put it in your fridge. Watch how people just grab it. All of a sudden, they're gone. I also like McLoob Ultra because they're getting fans closer to the game right now than ever before with exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like signed memorabilia and courtside seats. Enter for your chance to win at McLoobUltra.com slash courtside. 
LDA, 21 and up. This episode is brought to you by Verbo. You know, it is already stressful enough to deal with airports, delayed flights, bad weather. You want your actual where you're staying experience to be perfect, to be lights out. You don't want to have to worry about anything. When you book a vacation rental, you want to know exactly what you're paying ahead of time. The stress of getting hit with unexpected cleaning fees after your stay that can immediately cancel out all the great time you just spent unwinding. Thankfully, when you book with Verbo, you can see the total price upfront. There are no unpleasant surprises and the savings do not stop there, my friends. When you book with Verbo, you earn 2% cash back toward your next vacation through the One Key Rewards program, letting your money do the work for you while you've got your feet up. So while other vacation rentals can feel like a roll of the dice, relax knowing you booked a Verbo. Book your next private vacation rental in the Verbo app. Um, coming back on the greatness thing with this playoffs, who do you think is watching this unfold? What player is the most kind of bummed out like De Niro and Midnight Run after the Duke it's, gets taken who, away. It's like, I've come too about? far. It's your boy. It's LeBron. It's, LeBron is definitely like, AD yeah. doesn't go down. Yeah. We smoked I'm the walking Suns. walking to my fifth. I'm walking yeah. to my fifth championship. You also, don't think you it's, know he I think knows it's Harden. He can hear the clock ticking. LeBron knows he doesn't have that many more years of being but able to pour it on. Like, I know yeah. that. I, I think like, it's Harden. Harden's like, shit, I could have put on even more weight during the playoffs and we would have won. <laughs> I could have been 280 by the end of the, by the, end of the finals and we would have won in five. Um, no, I, I think it's LeBron, man. I think, I think LeBron wanted that second one. I think he wanted the back-to-back one. I think he wanted to silence all the asterisks talk. I think he wanted to show everybody that he still, he still got it. And I think they were well on their way before AD gets hurt. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't disagree with that. I, I, I just go back to Denver because before Jamal Murray went down, I just thought they were about to put something really special mm. together in the playoffs and show people because I legitimately thought they were the second best team in the West. Healthy Denver versus a healthy Lakers team. Um, And, and I just think... They were on. They were building some magic after they got Gordon in there. No pun intended. Like they, like it was all coalescing in a way that I thought was going to be electric in the playoffs. And Jamal Murray goes down. So I know Jamal Murray is watching this. Like this is pathetic. Like mm. this is pathetic. I would have been dropping thirty a game on these busters. I think it was Austin Rivers was probably the most upset. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'm so close. I could have I could have won one before my dad got his second. Does Kawhi um, Leonard get upset? <laughs> well, you know? so let, let's talk Clippers Suns quickly because I was thinking about uh, after they after the Suns lose last night. There's so much pressure on the Suns right now. We rarely <laughs> see in basketball like real pressure. Like you know, Chris, you're you're Philly boys. You had pressure in Game Seven, but at the same time. Simmons, he was broken, and you're not winning the title. With I don't think whatever that the Sixers ever played as well as the Suns have played in the playoffs. So, like, mm, I right. in my mind, I was like, uh, "What am I celebrating?" Do you know what I mean? Like, where, where have we ever hit the heights that make me think that we could win the title? At their best, the Suns look like a title team. Well, and I'll tell you, there's nothing more. I mean, the most devastating is if you lose an elimination game. The most secretly devastating loss is the home coronation. Game when you oh, yeah. think mm-hmm. it's going to go awesome and then it goes sideways. I remember one of the worst ones was the 2012 Celtics when it really felt like we were going to steal that heat game series. Six, yeah. Game six. And the crowd mm. was just so ready to, 
you know, basically have a part of the a five hour party after the game. And then LeBron came in and just murdered everybody. Bill, but, I'm so, I'm so happy that I have you here. Cause I've always wanted to ask you this. Obviously. <laughs> is this going to hurt my feelings? No, I'm the, but I just have to ask you because we have you here. Like I remember reading what you wrote right after that game. And it was, yeah. it, it was, it, you could on the page, it was devastation. And just like, yeah, fuck. What did it actually feel like in there with those people as this, this is happening? Like, you know, LeBron has the meltdown in 2011 where it's like, it's happening again. We're going to, we're going to freaking and cut in 2010. It was three straight years. There you go. We thought we cut his heart out. Going to cut this guy's heart out. And then game six happens. What was that like? It was over two minutes into the second quarter. You just knew it. <laughs> You're just like, because the the thing with that Celtics team was it was that was the last run either way. That team had it was right. they were never getting that close again. The Chicago thing was a gift. They barely got past Chris's crappy Sixers team, and then you think this Miami thing where it's like, wow, they might just have LeBron's number. Like this, this might just be one of those things. Like how the Pats had Manning's number for years and years, and then he flipped it. And I think what I saw from the Suns last night. And if you've been in a building like that, where it's just like, this is it. There was a Rangers game like that in 94 when they were going to win, I think, either the Cup or the Eastern Finals. And then they blew game five. And it was one of those, oh, I can't. I'm going to tell my grandkids I was there for the Stanley Cup Finals. And then it doesn't happen. Yesterday with that son, it's like, we're going to make the finals. We're going to win. And then Chris Paul, it's like, this is amazing. If Chris Paul, he's now five more wins away from now he's in the conversation with Magic and Isaiah and the great point guards of all time. And it flips, which leads me to the question. The amount of pressure on him yes, and on this Suns team with the 3-1 lingering, with his baggage, and then you throw in the entire franchise's baggage on top of like the Clips, nothing to lose, they don't have Kawhi. And I just think I that's a really tough thing to overcome when you're not that good. And the Suns are good. They're not great. It's tough to overcome the fact that Ty Lu is the guy at the table at the win who's like, I need to be down 8,000 just to feel something. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, I feel my blood. <laughs> so true. You know what I mean? I need to have like, I got Citibank texting me being like, is there fraud on your account? Just so that I, <laughs> just so that I can start to feel my blood moving. Like, what, like I, is he beatable in a closeout game? I, we have no Tyler, evidence. Tyler's breaking a cocktail glass and cutting himself just so he can remember what pain feels like. No, and, and, and the thing is, Chris Paul specifically, you know, and it's not talked about that much, but he has had some crazy moments in big elimination, big games in the playoffs. Like the OKC thing is probably the... The one that I remember the most vividly, where it's like, yo, Chris, you blew this. Yeah, yeah, he melted down. You blew that. There were moments last year in that game seven against Houston, a, a, a few last possessions, where Chris Paul, I'm like, yo, he kind of looks like he's lost it for a like second. Like he wants it too much. Yeah, like he's he he's messing it up. And so it's like, I don't want to start a Chris Paul as a quote-unquote choker. That's not what I mean. But it's not like it's beyond him to be in these moments and, you know, things go haywire for him. Well, so he's also not, I don't think he's 100%. He right. hasn't been good since he came back from COVID. And we saw with the Celtics, like Tatum took a month. Um, Chris, I don't feel like he has any lift on his shot. And he's no, what, a lot of 40%. his jumpers were coming up short. It was a yeah. lot of his jumpers were coming up short, but it, it's also this weird thing where somehow it, the Clippers go into series with 
with it usually with Kawhi, they at least have a top end talent advantage, but have managed to like play themselves into scrappy underdog role in each series, where it's just like whatever we kind of have like th- those like the residual lob city kind of reputation that they have as like planners yeah. or like front runners. Residual or lob city is a beautiful phrase. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like, I, still, I still have that when I see them. Cause mm-hmm. I'm just like, Oh, like, like there's still guys there from that. And then when you watch them now though, they're just like the junkyard dogs. Like they're just like all of these guys from the scrap heap dudes having like incredible contract year games. Reggie Jackson. Yeah. I just, and like I, somehow I, the Suns, who should be the feel good story of the year are the, like the, favorites and the clippers are upsetting them it just doesn't make any sense well who do you who do you trust on the suns like do you- i don't know bill because now i have to deal with an idea where reggie jackson is like the third best guard in the nba <laughs> like honestly you could feel it in game four even though they won i was like i i guess i trust booker but it also feels like you can play pretty good defense on him and also booker might Chris not be able to 100%. breathe through his nose right now right. so it's like i don't know what it's yeah and then you got like, is their whole season going to come down to a Jay Crowder three in the corner and a Cam Johnson three from the other corner well, and they the go over for two and they're that, going home? That might turn that series is, and this is the sort of like, we talk all about like the top 12 to top 11 players who've gotten hurt in these playoffs. I do think that there is a ripple effect of guys like Dante, DiVincenzo and Danny Green and campaign getting hurt that fucks oh. up people's rotations and also is like, there's like an equilibrium problem. Like when those guys go out. Ooh, this is good take, Waz. I like this. Is Danny Green the most significant injury of the playoffs coming up next? That's what I'm saying. It's like these, these like sort this of- good. Six, I know who's, no, no. There might be some insignificant injuries that we haven't, Sort of talked about enough, but Danny Green's not that. He's not that. <laughs> yeah, he's not it. I, well, I watched I was the with playoffs you until Danny Green. I watched the playoffs last <laughs> okay. year. Like it, it's not Danny Green. Look, Robert Williams. Who knows what happens in that next series <laughs> if he doesn't exactly. go down? I know. But campaign legitimately has been a spark plug. We use right. that word all the time. He changes everything they do once he comes in the game. They're playing faster. They're more frenetic. It's it's a different team when he's out there and they completely lose that element. And I saw campaign at Summer League in 2019. And mm. I remember thinking to myself, like, wow, so sad. Yeah, like, what a fall. It was like <laughs> it was like a pity party. Life comes to you pretty fast. Yeah, yeah. I was like, bro, one minute you're Westbrook's backup dancer, the next minute you're back at NBA Summer League. Damn. It was important question. So this summer, if if Dame's really gonna get traded, or later this summer, hmm. Reggie Jackson sign and trade for Dame, Great. who has to throw in picks? Which side? Do they have to throw in Covington to sweeten that? <laughs> like, does at least Simons just to just to give a token extra something? I don't know because Reggie Jackson. If you landed on a spaceship two months ago and you were just watching basketball, you would assume he was the best guard in the league. He he's done more one on one stuff <laughs> than we've seen since like Jordan, and he can shoot. This is <laughs> never a thing. What about when he goes left and does that hesitation double clutch one handed righty shot? What the fuck is that? I'm sorry for being born yesterday, but how long has he been wearing the glasses? You think it's the glasses? <laughs> is it, are we sure it's not? <laughs> Was is this like the lace? Is it like thing? a limitless thing? It's like he's like Bradley Cooper. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, he's got like twenty five vision now. Yeah. Reggie Jackson has been crazy. He's been legitimate to the point of just like if you're a team and you need a guy who can go out and get you shot, cre- like legitimate shot creation, you want Reggie Jackson. Like 
You need secondary playmaking, shot creation, ball handling. If you need that, like obviously he's not going to be your Paul George or Kawhi or LeBron or whoever. But if you need uh, a second, maybe. if you need a secondary guy, <laughs> Reggie Jackson is that guy for you. That's that's kind of that's just a crazy development. Let me ask my Clipper Clipper Day ones here, both on the call with me, mm-hmm. like. What what's the vibe at Staples? Are are the Suns walking into a cauldron? Like because we're talking no, that, about that how, crowd. That, that crowd is good. I went to four be, and six so in the Utah series. The crowd was up. good. Uh, do, you, do, you, do you guys think that the? I mean, I I find it hard to believe that the Suns are going to lose three in a row to the Clippers. Well, can I give? Can I make the case for at least them to lose Game Six? Sure. Scott Foster, the Zubat, the Zubats thing. <laughs> Where it's like, oh, he kind of is playing eight into a standstill, all that. They realize pretty much one half into game five, like, oh shit, this is what we what we did against Utah. We can actually let's do it against Phoenix. It might work. And it kind of discombobulated the Suns. And I think they they kind of stumbled onto something. And then the other thing is just if Paul and Booker aren't lights out, I think it's really hard for that Suns team to score. Those guys are shooting forty percent. Then, then it's like, who else? Who else is stepping up? Who are you relying on? You think of like campaign had that one twenty nine point game in the mm-hmm. series that kind of threw. If you just take that away, that's like the Tyler Hero weird game he had against the Celtics last year. I think when push comes to shove, I, I think it's kind of hard for the Suns to score against this Clipper team. And I think Game Six they're going to get energy. Terrence Mann, you know he'll be good tomorrow night. He's a great Staples Center guy. That's what they've said for years. We're finally seeing it. Um, but I just think the destiny of this has to be Clips win and Clips win six, and then we have this fucking Coen Brothers movie of a game seven for Chris Paul. Right? This is and and the thing is the thing is uh, what Bill says about the crowd tomorrow. That's gonna factor in. I used to always make the joke on Twitter that like you'll never hear a Clippers game louder than on the second free throw in the fourth quarter when there's a chance for a free Chick-fil-A sandwich. <laughs> right, right, like right. That's true. literally as loud as it gets there. But Bill, I want to ask you because I yeah. wasn't around during the Lob City stuff. I only literally came around during the first, actually the last back half of the year before Kawhi when they made that playoff run and KD yelled at Chris Haynes at the end of a playoff game in the press conference for no fucking yeah. reason. Um, but anyway, I, I, I've only been around for this sort of iteration of the team and the crowd. To you, what's the difference between what they were during the Chris Paul, Blake Griffin stuff and what they've been doing these last few home games? Good question. The In 12 and 13, they weren't good enough. They were fun, but you just knew deep down they when they really <laughs> went against a good team, they, they, they weren't going to be able to compete. 14, they were good. There was, that was when the, what took root was that whole kind of whiny, bitchy, Mm. weird energy that where just every call, Doc, Blake, Chris Paul, Mm. everybody's just bitching after everything. And the fans kind of bought into it. Mm. And then they would bitch after everything. And it was like, you know, the, the, it was like going to, I don't know what, what premier league team are the fans just kind of irrationally crazy about every call, Chris, every premier league team. Okay. <laughs> good. That team. Yeah. But it was just, the energy was really weird. The energy with this current Clipper team is really just kind of more genuine and organic and happy. And 
it doesn't have that. People just like the guys on this team. And I think they're more fun to watch too. They like the guys on this team. They would they, yeah, they would do. they would join a cult that Terrence Mann started. I'll tell yeah. you that. Terrence Mann, totally. the Clipper crowd is obsessed with Terrence Mann. And they love Beverly. So. Yeah, yeah they like Beverly. You go on down the line, there's just a bunch of likable guys. And by the way, Boogie's gonna have a moment in game six because they figured out how to match him against Sarich. And he'll score eight points in yeah, two minutes, Sarge and the crowd's going to lose their shit. I think it's going to be a really hard game for the Suns. Um, and I think the from a pressure standpoint, it, it, let's just let's just really walk this through just for a split second. Like if they blow the three one, we always talk about what's the legacy, what's the legacy, what's the legacy. This is fucking devastating for Chris. Unless it really would be, this would be devastating. Unless blowing three one leads is the new like. What the crucible you have to go through to be good the next year, like the Clippers they, are they, this Chris, year. They're never going to have the Chris is never going to have a chance uh, no. to win right. the title the way this has unfolded. No. Where you lose, da you lose Davis, you lose all the Brooklyn team, you lose Jamal Murray, and then you lose Kawhi. Kawhi yeah, for the whole series, yeah. and they're and they're going to lose. <laughs> Wait, and also the Clippers could make the finals without Kawhi Leonard. Yes, after yeah. being down. What the fuck? <laughs> and and the like, thing honestly, think about that. How insane would that be? There's no correlation in the history of the league to that. And the thing, the saddest thing about the Suns not doing this is that we know for a fact that everybody would be nice about them winning the championship yeah. this year. Yeah. Nobody would mm. shit on it. People would be careful as to happy call it Monty, this. Happy for Monty, happy for Chris. Everybody right. would, Devin give, would let them actually celebrate it without being dicks about it. Like, they would actually do it. So, like... The, the process for Sarge finally right. the process came through. excited all, for Mikhail Bridges. We always Chris knew he would have titled himself. <laughs> everything. It becomes this whole thing. And to, to squander that golden opportunity while being relatively healthy as compared to everybody else would just be a devastating. And well, a and also think about Sheesh. think about that game seven crowd was. So let's yeah. say the Clips win tomorrow night. Now we go to the game seven Phoenix and bunch the of, fucking bunch of the purse sphincters, booty holes in that crowd. The sphincters yeah. are going to be tighter than anything. That's the thing anything. about game seven, oh man. God. They aren't like, oh, we walked in and like everybody's got our backs. Like everybody nah, at a game seven is ready to have, have a heart attack. <laughs> well, then you have that Clippers team. Who's scared on the Clippers side in a game seven? It's like no. a whole team oh, no. of irrational confidence, guys. Yeah. No, yeah. they're, they're so, going into that with the right mentality. And Reggie Jackson, oh my God. Game seven, Reggie Jackson. <laughs> the world is not ready, Bill. Can I can I tell you why the Clippers might not win? I think they violated some karma rules with their fans. Mm, As you know, I'm a season ticket holder since 04. Okay. <laughs> they're already Fi they're the selling ticket. final stuff? Yeah, the ticket lottery was today for the oh season ticket goodness. holders mm -mm, mm -mm, because mm -mm. God forbid they just gave us our seats that we've been paying for. Um, so we get this lottery and 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 me and Mike Tolan, who we we share my seats, but then everybody else, like you didn't get the seats that you've been you've had basically through all the shitty years. Through is that because the capacity the is Baron Davis? Yeah, they're trying to do the post-pandemic thing, but guess what? They're also saying how it's basically a full staple center. So it it's just some shady Clipper shit and it's not appreciated with the fan base. So if you're looking for karma reasons why it's going to fall apart, I would start there. Treat your fans better, Clippers. They fucking stuck with you forever. I would count that if you could count anything for the Clippers. I mean, the Clippers just defy all logic. Going down 0-2, 
being True. without Kawhi, like nothing makes sense. They lose Zubak, they look better. They Terrence Mann comes in, he's incredible for one game. He goes out, then Patrick Beverly turns into like the unsolvable puzzle for this entire Suns team. It's like they get t- good ten minutes from Kennard, they get a good ten minutes from Batum. Like Kennard, it's, it's like a ten. It's a ten guy team. It's just and Ty Lue seems to know which guy is going to be on on any given night. I kind of like I've Kennard's won me back. He was getting DMPs to start the playoffs. Yeah, I know. He's kind of, now I watch him, I'm like, man, that guy's, he's really, uh, he can create a shot. Was Billy Crystal, (laughs) um, Cuba Gooding Jr., maybe? What other celebs will we see tomorrow night? Will the stars be out? Who I think used to do punked? How He Gets Made podcast. I think he's a Clippers. Paul Shear. Yeah, Paul Shear. Yeah, yeah, he's a Paul Shear. Yeah. Super guy. James YG, L. Brooks. Why guy James L. Brooks will be there. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't want to get into the Clipper crowd. I love the Clipper crowd. I, I, <laughs> I do too. I just, I just don't. I actually, it's just, it's, <laughs> this is totally on brand for the Clippers. If they somehow made the finals without Kawhi Leonard, the guy that they traded 100 draft picks for. <laughs> And and by the way, where is Kawhi yeah, Leonard? We have he no, can't sit on the bench. Should just go back to the, the doctors the in the house. We have no diagnosis for Kawhi Leonard, right? No. Yeah, and Clippers you talk to people on it. the Clippers, they're like, we don't know. He doesn't talk to us. <laughs> so I don't know. He's just the, the whole thing's bizarre. This is the weirdest playoffs Ever. we've had in my in my lifetime since the seventies when we had a cocaine problem in the league. It was the last time it's been this weird. We that had no was more like the end of now. Goodfellas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was like the last 20 minutes. Uh, quickly, predictions. Waz, who's in the finals? I still think it's the Suns and Bucks. Me too. The Suns are the, they're the two healthiest teams. Their best players are the most relatively healthy. And so they're going to get it just by participation, just by showing up. That's it. They're just going to get it by showing up. I still think those two teams will make the final. Like, the trade thing is devastating. The Suns got to win this thing, man. They, even if they got to send Kaminsky out there to, like, suplex Reggie Jackson, they got to do something. <laughs> they can't lose I will say, in a row. if you're making the case for the Suns, you look at that Clips box score, Paul George has one of the best games of his life. Reggie Jackson and Marcus Morris have a good game. Usually it's one or the other, and they get both. So can they get two of the three again? I don't know. I, I just have this feeling the Clips win I, I think it's Suns-Bucks, and I think if Giannis doesn't play in the next Bucks-Hawks game, it it like Drew comes back to life here. Like We get a little bit of a better holiday game. Adande tweeted, uh, this is all set up for Marv's last game. Bucks game seven. Giannis walking out. Like I'm paraphrasing the Adande tweet, but Giannis walking out like a minute before the game and Marv going, here comes Giannis. <laughs> and we have the Willis Reed callback and that's how we send Marv off. Who knows? Uh, Waz, Chris, it, it was both a pleasure and just a macabre way to end <laughs> yet another late night podcast. What a fucking weirdo season. God, can't believe it. Uh, good to see you guys. Thanks, Bill. Same guys. Thanks. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. I love the NBA. When game day comes around, win or lose, this is the beer you want. Michelob Ultra, my go-to right now because I'm a light beer guy. Sorry, hate to break it to you. You know, I'll mess around with some other ones, but for the most part, really ever since college, I've been a light beer guy. Michelob Ultra, not only does it taste great, 95 calories, crisp and refreshing. 
put it in your fridge. Watch how people just grab it. All of a sudden, they're gone. I also like McLobe Ultra because they're getting fans closer to the game right now than ever before with exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like signed memorabilia and courtside seats. Enter for your chance to win at McLobeUltra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe Spring. On the way, warmer temperatures, more time outside, more time away from your home. Do yourself a favor. Make sure you're doing what you can to protect your place and get a Simply Safe home security system, comprehensive protection for your whole home, a great way to keep you and your loved ones safe. What if you're going out for Easter for six hours? You don't think the burglars are going to figure that out? That y'all y'all packed up your car at like 1130 on Easter and you drove off somewhere? Yeah, all they need is an hour. I'm not the only one singing Simply Safe's praises. Simply Safe, named best home security system in 2024 by US News and World Report, recognized for the best customer service in home security by Newsweek. Protect your home today. I use Simply Safe and love it. My listeners get a special 20% off any new Simply Safe system when they sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com slash BS. Don't wait. That is simplysafe.com slash BS. All right, Matt Bellany is here. He is uh the former editor of The Hollywood Reporter, and now has embarked on this new venture, which has turned into one of my favorite newsletters. Tell the, tell the people how to get the newsletter. Uh, well, it's very easy. You can go to puck.news. Our company's called Puck News. And uh, you can sign up, put your email in, or you can email our guy that uh, administers the newsletter list, fritz at puck.news. So you're- Not a hockey site, I promise. You are putting together this whole Hollywood, like you're going for it. I, I was in a similar situation in the mid 2010s. It worked out okay for me, but I'm rooting for you. Uh, <laughs> you are the you are the gold standard of this <laughs> stuff. I, I swear. Uh, if we can be a third or a, a an eighth as successful as you, we'll be very happy. Well, I've loved the newsletter because. It reminds me of the old school. You're giving me inside info, but you're also you're weaving in like personal experiences. You're not afraid to take a couple shots here and there, which you you know I enjoy. But I wanted to cover some <laughs> Hollywood stuff with you, stuff sure. that you've written about, but stuff we can dive into uh, a little deeper. First of all, the, one of the last times you were here, I can't remember how many times you were on, but we broke down why. We didn't think Quibi was going to make it, but we didn't want to totally rule it out. But we were like, here, here are the 40 red flags. And uh, and we were right. So let's see if we're yeah. right with some of this stuff. I know. It's like the evolution of things. You know, now all those Quibi shows are available on Roku. They mm. sold them off. And you can actually watch some of the Quibi shows on a platform that is on most TVs if you have a, a Roku device. So it, it wasn't that the shows were terrible. It was that no one wanted to subscribe to something else on their phone that they had to go into to watch these shows in 10-minute intervals. It just didn't work. Especially as TikTok is rising and in general, young people just, it, it was a misread. But that's what happens yeah. when you have a guy in his 70s uh, deciding what young people want. Uh, kudos to Katzenberg, though. Great career. It, this would be a minor blip for him going forward. Plus the red hot Roku. They needed more content. <laughs> Their stock is like in the uh, in the high three hundreds now. Um, box office. Let's start there. Yes. You wrote about the box office recently. Um, I think you and I were we, were we talking about it. We had dinner recently, and I was saying I thought Fast Nine was going to be the first one that you brought theaters it. back. Yeah, this was. This was in what April around yeah. then, and you and I had I was insisting. I thought that Quiet Place would be the first. Now Quiet Place Two has done well, but eh. you said no. 
Fast 9, that is going to be the big one. Everyone's going to come out for that. And open to 70 million, and we're heading into this holiday weekend where it's probably going to, you know, run roughshod over everyone. Uh, it's up to over 400 million. And, you know, these are not pre-pandemic numbers, but for a situation where people are sort of gradually coming back to the real world, a lot of theaters aren't at capacity yet, 70 million on a, on a June weekend is pretty darn good. Yeah, and it's the first movie that hits basically every demo we have in this country. So that it's, also helps. and it's it's fun. It's you know it's mindless. Uh, it's got you know the the franchise around it, and you know the key thing here is it's not available on streaming. I mean, a lot of these movies that have come out so far, even the big Disney movies, and we'll talk about Black Widow. But, you know, they're available on streaming for the most part if they're Warner Brothers movies or Disney movies. And this was a gigantic franchise that you had to go to the theater to see. And I really do think that matters. So on the one hand, it's good that it feels like movies are coming back. On the other hand, like I look at like HBO Max, which I thought it was really smart to just say, we have these movies, let's put them out. Let's get them to the people. Um, on the other hand, now that we can go back into theaters, why wouldn't they revisit that strategy? Does that say more about um, Warner Media and all the all the stuff going on with them? Like, like why would they stick to a decision they made nine months ago? Well, there it's only for 2021, so it's the movies for the rest of this year. But yeah, a lot of people said, okay, now theaters are open, maybe you should go back and like say, hey, maybe Suicide Squad and you know Space Jam and some of these bigger movies should be only in theaters. But it's this weird situation we're in right now, where to these Hollywood studios, they actually don't want you to go see these movies in theaters if it means you will sign up for their streaming service. Because think about it, that's recurring revenue every month that they got you. If you really want to see Space Jam and you're just a, you think LeBron is a huge movie star (laughs) and LeBron James is is meant to be seen uh, on the big screen, then, you know, they want you to say, okay, it's worth signing up 15 bucks a month for HBO Max because they're going to get you forever, arguably. And other than, you know, your $20 movie ticket. So it's it's this weird situation where even a movie like Black Widow, which is a gigantic Marvel movie, normally you'd think Disney would really want you to go see that in the theater. No, Disney would actually prefer if you signed up for Disney Plus and paid the 30 bucks at home to watch it because they get a bigger slice of that than they do from the theaters and you're in the ecosystem. You're in the Disney Plus ecosystem and they can monetize you in many different ways for a long time to come. And the stock market is really valuing those subscribers much more than it's valuing box office. Yeah. And that let's, this brings us to the real reasons they're doing this. And all of them are nefarious. Helps the stock because they can point to more subscribers. Can we be honest about how it kind of screws over the people who had back end deals? Like the Quiet Place 2 stuff, I thought was really, really, really interesting. How Krasinski and Emily Blunt, the only reason they make a sequel is is like, oh man, we do the sequel. Well, we'll do it, but we got to have a huge piece of the back end. And now by some convoluted, you know, strategy, I guess you could say, but I don't even know if it's a strategy. They decide to premiere it um, on the platform and then it hurts the back end because it doesn't make as much money. Now they don't know John Krasinski and Emily Blunt as much. And then, as you pointed out in your newsletter, it's like they're not even willing to renegotiate the deals. Right. Well, and, and in the case of A Quiet Place, Viacom backed off of that. 
they gave them an exclusive window of 45 days in theaters after yeah. they complained because Paramount Plus is this streaming service that's just sitting out there waiting for exclusive content that's going to draw people in. But Krasinski had enough juice and the head of Paramount had enough juice within the company to say, you know what, this is actually good, a good movie and we'll get people in theaters, so let's hold it away from there, but only for 45 days. And then the Krasinskis went back to them and said, hey, if this move to you know, a 45-day window is going to make it so that our movie makes less money in theaters, we're going to be hurt by that and you should pay us. Uh, the, the irony of the situation is, is that now a 45-day exclusive theatrical window actually seems pretty good compared mm. to what some of the other studios are offering, which, you know, at Warner Brothers, it's zero. They're all in HBO Max the same day. Disney, it's, you know, depending on the movie, it's either direct to Disney Plus, like the Pixar movies, or it's this $30 upcharge like Cruella and Black Widow. And, you know, some of these others, like Universal is playing with this as well. Fast and Furious gets the full theatrical uh, treatment, but something like Boss Baby, which is like a kid's movie, but my kid's into, that's going to be available on Peacock the same day. And the people like Alec Baldwin who do the Boss Baby movies for money, they are are arguably going to be hurt by that. So it's a whole, you know, there needs to be a total realignment of how these big stars and directors are paid in Hollywood. Well, then you have a situation like The Heights where it doesn't do what people thought but you can kind of hide behind the streaming thing a little bit, right? Whereas like in the old days, your box office, that's it. It's like whipping out your dick in a urinal. It's like, I, mm-hmm. here's what I got. Um, now you can go, well, it's streaming. Who knows? Like you, even if a movie bombs, it's hard to really say it bombs. Like it honestly seems like the Heights kind of bombed. But how do we, oh, for, what they, it, for what I they mean- thought it was going to be? Uh, first of all, you know, this was Lin-Manuel Miranda's other musical, not Hamilton. And there was this feeding frenzy. They paid $50 million to get just the rights. Then they spent, you know, in the 50s or 60s to make it. This is a pretty, you know, tough musical. It's not a big, well-known property. They cast unknowns and they treated it like it would be a big summer blockbuster. And we do kind of know there are enough services out there that can judge demand or viewership on smart TVs where we know that In the Heights played nowhere. It didn't do well in theaters. It didn't do well at home. It didn't do well internationally. And it started it a, a backlash. Yeah, and it got, had this whole colorism controversy where they had cast more light-skinned Latino actors, and there was a you know when you when you see Lin Manuel Miranda apologizing for something like that's right. that's a, a big deal, and you know I personally think that studios should be taking more swings like this, making bets on original things that you know they're going to have some whiffs, but they're going to have some home runs. This one did not work, and it probably didn't help that it was on HBO Max at the same time as well. And do we have hardcore evidence that HBO Max, Paramount Plus, how do we trust the actual numbers for subscribers? Because we've seen this, like even in digital media, we've seen people do deals where it's like, you sign up for a phone, you get this automatic subscription, and then they count it as a subscription, but you don't know if it's an actual subscription. How do we know how to trust the different streaming numbers? Like Disney, it seems like I actually would would believe when they what do they say they're over 60 million i would actually believe it because if you have kids you kind of you can afford it you kind of have to have disney plus it's like a homemade babysitter and it's cheap but like how do i trust the paramount plus number 
Well, there's there's all sorts of games. First, I'll tell you what they say. They say that they announce these numbers on their quarterly earnings calls, which are under heavy regulation from the government. And if Mm. you lie on those things, you can be held to account. So, you know, investors and everyone else are listening and the stock is fluctuating. So if you're lying, then they, they can come after you. But that said, we know that they're playing games in certain situations. We just saw this this last week. The journal, the Wall Street Journal reported that uh, uh, NBC Universal, which owns Peacock, their new streaming service from NBC, they've been talking about how they've had 42 million signups for Peacock. But then the journal reports that the actual number of people who are actually paying for it is 10 million. Around 10 million. So it's like, okay, maybe enough people like downloaded on their phone and then forgot about it or whatever. And even Disney is doing these games too, because overseas where Disney has had huge growth in their streaming service, they are basically giving it away in some of these markets like India and some Southeast Asian countries to kind of get market share or bundle it with other products. So they have this number, which is the, you know, the the average return per user. And for Disney Plus, it is super low because they're juicing their subscriber numbers by essentially giving it away. Right. And, you know, it's a, you mentioned the stock thing. So I always go back to what what incentivizes a big company, right? In the old days, it was like, let's make movies and we'll make the most money possible from those movies. I actually think stock price is probably more important to some of these companies than whether they made 140 million profit from their movies in 2021 or whether it was 90 million, right? Like ultimately, the amount of money you're spending and they can crunch the figures and write off things certain ways and say this costs the creative accounting that we've had with movies has been one of like the most fascinating stories of the industry though for since forever. Mm-hmm. Stock price doesn't lie. Stock price is basically what is my perception of how successful this company right now is and where it's going to be. And that's what they care about. So if you're Disney, I, I mean, wouldn't it incentivize you to just keep this model? I really wonder Everyone's like theaters are back. It's okay. the movie business is going to be the same way it always is. I disagree. I I actually think there's so much incentive for these people to drive subscribers to their to whatever their platform is over driving them to a movie theater. And I I think I don't think the business is ever going to come back in quite the same way. I think we're going to look back the pandemic. Sports will be back. I think sports we were already seeing it. Sports will be back to where it was. I don't think movies are ever coming back. What do you think? I I agree with you. And in theaters, I think the kind of movies that are theatrical movies will be extremely narrow. And they are only going to be the kind of movies that can do a billion dollars. Or the kind of movies that come from small companies that don't have streaming services and want to do their business that way. But... For, for a company like Disney, they are getting from the stock market a valuation that is more like a tech company than a 95-year-old media company. Yeah. And that's because they have sold this narrative. I mean, think about the Walt Disney Company over the past year. The two biggest revenue businesses for them, theme parks and distributing movies, total zeros. 
for the past year of the pandemic. I mean, not zero, but really, really hurting. And yet the stock is going through the roof because they have sold this narrative that the Walt Disney Company is now a tech platform and Disney Plus is going to take over the world and get everybody's money and then raise prices and then raise prices again. And they are going to be the new Netflix. I mean, Netflix changed the model for everybody in this space, but a company like Disney was pretty remarkably able to pivot and sell this narrative of, oh, no, 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 we're not a media company anymore. We're a technology platform in Disney. And that just puts all the incentives and the bonuses for the executives and all the things that they care about in this bucket of streaming and the priority. You're seeing it now. I mean, Pixar movies, those are reliable box office draws. They, you know, they get up into the six, seven, eight hundred million dollar range for original Pixar movies. The past two, straight to streaming, no upcharge, just trying to boost subscribers. And they've been very successful in doing that, well, I'm told. You know what the biggest thing with this was Mandalorian. I think totally. Mandalorian becoming a water cooler show and just single-handedly transforming what people thought was going to happen with Disney Plus. And now it's totally. like, well, let's keep whatever going. Whatever they that. paid, whatever they paid John Favreau and are continuing to pay him, it's not enough. That guy should have a piece of the entire Disney Plus streaming service because we all wondered, is this going to be like the Disney Channel? Is it going to yeah. be like, you know, the crappy kid stuff that's not good enough for theaters? No, it was a it was better than the actual Star Wars movie that was in theaters that J.J. Abrams spent $200 million on. Right. Favreau did it. You know, he makes these things in a, in a space in Playa Vista that I've been to. It's like a little warehouse next to a strip mall. And he made a Star Wars show that was better than the the movies that were in theaters. It was crazy. And and that changed the whole game. All of the best Disney stuff is going to Disney Plus now. So what happens to, I'll give you two two lanes. What happens to like uh, Blumhouse movies? And what happens to movies like The Way Back, which I really like, the Affleck movie? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Do those movies get made or do they do the people just go right to Amazon, Netflix, HBO Max, whoever, and just be like, just give us nine million to make this and we'll call it a day? Like I I'm just worried those movies are gonna go away. T- tell me they won't. I, I don't think they're gonna go away, at least not right now. I mean, ultimately I think the model's gonna shake out where a lot of movies will go away. But right now there's such an incentive for the streaming services that movies like The Way Back will be made. They just won't get a theatrical release or yep. they'll get a week in New York and LA. So to how do you get Affleck? How do you get somebody like Affleck for a movie like that? If there's no theatrical release, it's almost like with the A-list stars, you have to reframe their brains. And if I'm somebody like Affleck, I would, I would look at like Kate, the Kate Winslet model of what, what she got out of Mayor of Easttown and what mm-hmm. it's like to just be in somebody's life for eight weeks versus like this 90-minute movie that comes and goes. Yeah, I mean, it's it's money to begin with. You know, you back up a Brinks truck to, to Affleck's house and he's more likely to be okay doing something just for streaming. That stigma is largely going away thanks to the money that Netflix has been paying upfront to people. You yeah. don't get the back-end payments, but they, they do a buyout where they pay you your quote or whatever, plus a certain amount that you might have gotten on the back end. So they're getting big stars to do stuff. I mean, Michael Bay made a $200 million movie for Netflix. I don't know how many people saw it. It was called Six Underground, and it was pretty terrible. But they're spending money on big movies for Netflix, and someone like Affleck will just do it there. It's just, you know, it's the people that that 
make the kind of movies that are better in theaters that may suffer here. Yeah. Netflix is like, I want you to be my girlfriend for four weeks. Here's $200,000. And then I'm breaking up with you at the end of the four weeks. And <laughs> and I never want to see you again. You're like, cool. Exactly. Uh, speaking oh, no, of Netflix. I do want to see you, but in, in a couple of years, you know, and, and, you know, I'll come crawling back to you maybe with more money and see if you're still willing. <laughs> right. Uh, Speaking of Netflix, you wrote about them recently. Mm -hmm. People have been afraid to talk about this. I think there's a real fear of Netflix. There's a real fear in general of just pointing out when stuff doesn't work. And these these giant deals that Sarandos gave out to all these different creators, pretty mixed results. Like the Kenya Barris thing, that he got what halfway through it. Uh, Ryan yeah, Ryan Kenya Murphy, Barris, Kenya Shonda Rhimes asked out of his deal, but they were not going to renew him. I mean, he's very successful, created Blackish. He wrote, you know, um, uh, what's the girls' trip? Like, he's a very successful guy. Came to Netflix. They wanted another Blackish. Instead, he did uh, Black AF, which was basically a Curb Your Enthusiasm style show. Yeah, he put himself in it. Kenya Barris with Kenya Barris in it, who has never been an actor before. And you're, <laughs> if you're Netflix, you're thinking, really? We paid nine figures for this? Right. Um, and you know, and, and that's the, the, the downside. Netflix is not alone in overpaying in the past. I mean, networks have overpaid people forever, but they made such a big deal out of recruiting people like Kenya Barris and Shonda Rhimes and Ryan Murphy over to their service. And they've really gotten mixed results. I mean, Shonda, uh, who created Grey's Anatomy has been there three years and she's done one show. Now it was a huge, no, hit. awesome Bridgerton. show. Yeah, so that's the best case scenario. They get Bridgerton out of it, right. so you could argue that paid for the deal by itself, right? And she's got a bunch of other stuff, and she sees this more as a long term thing, and ultimately that might be good for them. The Ryan Murphy thing, you know, there's been no American Horror Story or Glee or Nine One One or any of these Ryan Murphy style shows for Netflix. He's done much smaller things that have not really resonated or gotten the kind of awards attention that you might expect from him. But he's put out a bunch of content. It may be crappy or it shouldn't say crappy. It's not for my taste, but it's not a mainstream hit. But, you know, arguably he's producing. So is that worth it? Who knows? Ryan Murphy's like, I'm eating up innings. I'm, th I'm throwing he six is. innings like every start. It's like, yeah, but you gave up five runs again. Exactly. He he is like the the middle reliever who can point to the output without actually saying that, you know, he can strike out Mike Trout. So do you think that model's going to shift a little bit where uh here's your nine-figure deal to create some content for us? Do you think these streaming services are going to be more gun-shy or does it go the other way where it's like an Amazon thing where they go, "Hey, we're going to pay twice as much for MGM as anyone thought would possibly happen. And now we have their whole library and it's, Oh wait, it's not nine. It's not 9 billion. It's going to be 8.5. We get, we, we cut the price down. Um, yeah, do you bargain. think, do you think, do you see that money just drifting toward giant libraries versus creators or where does that go? I, I think you're going to have to justify your worth more going forward. You know, these these $300 million deals sight unseen are going to be replaced, I think, by smaller deals that have incentives for hit shows, much more like a traditional model, where if you can create a big, you know, broadcast hit or a big popular movie, you're going to get paid. But, you know, the Netflix model of giving out cash to people to come on over and do your thing 
and whatever thing you want to make is fine. I think Netflix needs hits. They've gotten the audience. They're more like a broadcast network now. They they can't afford to just give out money for nothing. They need you to develop hits. Well, and they, if you can't do they that, have you're one. out. They have a hit created by Greenwich Academy, class of 87, Stacey Rukeyser, The Sex Show. That what with, is that? With that, that new sex show that's out with the sex-starved housewife. Oh, right. That's yeah, a hit. If you ever... If you ever look at the Netflix top 10, which is sort of, who knows how real that is, a lot of softcore porn ends up in that top 10. <laughs> First of all, it's not funny. It's just the reality. It's, it's, <laughs> you see it all the time. It's always like true crime and and some woman with her like eyes rolling back in her head. And those are like the right. two things they go for. Yeah, and um, Coco Melon. Coco Melon, that kid <laughs> show. But, uh, but and no, there was some... Gaspar Noe movie that was like an art house movie from like five or seven years ago that was just basically straight up porn. It was, yeah, it was, it was like real, like, you know, real sex. They said when they filmed it, it like debuted at Cannes, total art house movie that nobody on Netflix would ever be interested in, except it had hardcore sex in it. And it was top 10 like all summer. I clicked on it and I have like a, what, like a 70 inch TV. And all of a sudden, there was this giant male member on the entire TV, and I'm like, "What is happening?" In the first, in the first five minutes, in the first, in the five, first minutes, five minutes, like, what? Is, uh, no, uh, yeah, and you know, under the Netflix, under the Netflix bizarro metrics for who's watching, they count it as a view, quote unquote, if you've been watching for like two minutes. Right. So, so you know, even if you tune in just to see the the bizarre sex scene and then to, and then turn it off, that counts as a view. Network television, it just seems like uh, the ratings just go down every year. And Jimmy did his uh, his annual ABC Upfront thing and just skewered everybody the whole time. And it was like all, all Night of the Living Dead jokes, stuff like that. Like, why do we even have networks anymore? I, is it just for Ugh. late night television and sports and morning shows? What are the other reasons? Sports. Honestly, sports. And, you know, th- they do make money. It, you and I don't watch the ads, but- People do watch the ads still, and it's still a you know ten billion dollar a year advertising business. It's going down, and the ratings are going down. I mean, if you look at what constitutes a hit on broadcast these days, it's you know it's a couple million people, and right. you know it's just not the same. Now they argue that a lot of that stuff gets viewed elsewhere, and there's delayed viewing, and if you want to, you know, the NFL isn't going off of CBS, and there's a reason for that, and it's because they can still deliver that huge audience that. Everybody has access to. So there's still a reason for them to exist, but less and less. And honestly, if you watch the programming, I mean, it is like, you know, it is, it's like one of those when you win the championship and then you just sell off all your players the next year, that looks like what broadcast networks look like. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's like, like the, the 1999 uh, yeah. Bulls. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I mean, it is, you know, that the, I wrote about, uh, you know, a slip and slide show that they're doing. Literally, a slip and it's people doing slip and slides. That's a show on broadcast television now. Well, I thought and, the most fitting, the most fitting thing was when they had the diarrhea scandal on one of those shows, right? It was that like, was this the is, show. Yeah, that was, this is perfect. People got Giardia. <laughs> people got Giardia because they're making a crappy, no pun intended, yeah. a slip and slide show in the middle of nowhere on a farm and they put slip and slides next to cow pastures. I'm not kidding. My entire family watched the first episode of the dating celebrity dating game hosted by Zoe Deschanel. Michael Bolton was playing music. Um, the, the celebrity bachelorette was Hannah Brown from the bachelor and the bachelorette. 
So, um, and she was picking people and the whole time my kids were riveted. They were like, how is this on television? My wife was like, I can't believe they're still making shows like this. And about 25 minutes in, we kind of gave up after there was another person. We didn't even watch that one. And it's like stuff that you and I were watching in the seventies because nobody knew any better. But now, how many game shows are on ABC? And, and you oh, think that's like, their that's their whole lineup. And yeah, and, and you and I were watching them when we were homesick from school, and we had nothing better to do. Yeah, yeah. And there were and there were three channels. These this is primetime ABC, and it's just a cavalcade of card sharks and the dating game and Family Feud and Jeopardy, like. This is this is the the end times for network TV, but that's what the model is now. They're cheap to produce. They can get a number of you know people like you whose families are like, really, this is on television. I yeah. guess we should check it out. And they don't have to pay the price for the scripted stuff, which is bad anyways. And people are watching on Netflix anyways. My hottest take maybe of the last six years, which I developed, I don't remember when, some point in the mid two thousand tens was that when NBC moved Jay Leno's show to 10 p.m., that was actually a brilliant idea. They actually foresaw the future of where this was going, where it's like, put this guy here, fix cost. Um, We don't have to, like, that's one less show we have to pilot and worry about in every day. So that's five total that we just don't have to put on the schedule anymore. And why wouldn't we do this? It was, you know, we know what it's going to make. Well, they did it. They did it because they gave the Tonight Show to Conan O'Brien without I remember. telling Jay Leno. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So the reasons they did it, and then it was such a backlash to it, and then people kind of turned on Leno. But fundamentally, it was actually the right idea to yeah. just put something fixed there every day, which is kind of like what, uh, I don't know, when you see those Dateline 2020 type shows. It seems like those exactly. are the shows that kill. They're on Hulu. Those are always like the most watched shows. It's like 2020. Yeah, I mean, you still you still flip channels. And I think the what the I broadcast do. networks are doing is they're 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 going after people who are flipping channels, which is not how young people view TV. But there's still a market for that person who's like, uh, I want something mindless, you know, I'm just gonna flip. And it's funny, Netflix has actually introduced that new feature called Play Something. Yeah, which is their version of a lean back. They call it lean back experience. You don't have to think about what you want. You don't have to spend ten minutes in the interface scrolling and being like, "Oh, what do I want to watch?" They choose for you, and it's sort of like a network experience where you put on NBC on a Tuesday night, and it may not be something quality, but it's probably going to be a singing competition or a crime news show or something like that, and you can just watch for a little bit and not think about it. I think Netflix is brilliant with the stuff they do to their main page, the top 10 trending stuff, how they promote different things, how they study your weird patterns and then just shoot show uh, shows at you. Like it's a t-shirt cannon. They're just really good at it. Like I think with Spotify, that's like with our app with podcasts, that's the thing that, you know, that I think that's the biggest growth area for us is, just the t-shirt cannon thing. It's like, we know you like this here. Here's more eat, eat, eat. Yep. And Netflix, that's, they're great at it. And it's all algorithm. Yeah. They know they, and the thing about Netflix is they're not as creepy as a place like Facebook where like, you know, you're calling and ordering a pizza and then all of a sudden you go on Instagram and there's an ad for DiGiorno. 
Like, it's not like that. Netflix doesn't, Netflix doesn't even know if you're a man or a woman, if you're old or young. What all they know is what you watch. And they try to use that to give you more of the things that you like to watch. Yeah. You like watching a true crime where somebody's missing in the first five minutes of the movie. Here's right. seven more, here's seven more options for you. Um, yeah. great stuff. All right. We can get, I would encourage you to read uh, Matt's newsletter. I wish you did more. What are you doing? Like two a week? Two a week. Sundays, Sundays and Thursdays. When we, we're not officially launching until Labor Day. Yeah. So once we are up and running, you know, we will have uh, more people and we'll have more stuff. But for now, doing the newsletter twice a week. If you're interested, you can email fritz at puck.news or go to puck.news uh, and sign up. All right. Good to see you. Thank you. Yep. Thanks, man. This episode is brought to you by Viator. Traveling is all about getting out there and experiencing something new and fun. I had this when I went to Sweden last year. I had to go for Spotify, rolled the dice. I was going alone, had some work friends there. That's it. And I'm like, what's going to happen? Get there. Haven't been to Stockholm ever. Walking around, having a great time. Just just immersed myself in a totally different culture. Really memorable. I remember like a hundred different things about it. If you want to make your next trip memorable, you need Viator. It's a website and app that'll help you book fun experiences and adventures all over the world. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences in over 190 countries, and it's flexible. They have free cancellation. They have various payment options, 24-7 service, and you can browse millions of reviews from real people so you can make sure you're booking the best adventure for you. They offer all kinds of adventures from simple walking tours to more extreme thrilling adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So that's one app that's over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Download the Viator app now. Use the code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. That's V-I-A-T-O-R with the number 10. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? This is something I've thought about a lot over the last 25 years. Sometimes little kids enter your life. Sometimes you're just searching for that extra hour. Sometimes it feels like all of a sudden it's three o'clock, four o'clock. And it's like, where'd the day go? I barely did anything. The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you so that you can make it a priority and therapy can help you figure that out. A therapist can guide you through the process of defining your values and understanding your priorities so you know what things you can spend your time on that will really fulfill you. Otherwise, you'll always be wishing for more time. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn how to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Bill Simmons today to get 10% off your first month. 10%. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Bill Simmons. All right. One of the biggest moments of the year, the mid-season teen culture awards. My daughter Zoe Simmons is here. We did this at the end of December. You handed out awards for 2020. And frankly, I was amazed that a network didn't try to pick this up and <laughs> Buy the rights to it. But we're going to do it again. This is for the first six months of 2021. Now, just for, for the people listening, my daughter just turned 16. 
she cares about this whole weird world of influencers and YouTubers and TikTokers and all these things. I just don't understand, but you understand it. And that's the important thing. Yeah. That's why I'm here. Yeah. I'm here to explain. All right, don't yell at me. Not, guys, we're not getting along recently. <laughs> yeah, we're not getting along. <laughs> 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 We're like an old married couple. We've spent the last, what, like five days with each other. Traveling. And he just tried to send me all around Boston to find him a coffee, and I nearly got murdered by five drug dealers. And he didn't even ask me if I was doing okay. Emotionally I, I was on a Zoom. I didn't, didn't realize you were <laughs> in danger. Zoom comes before me and my good Well, health. once once you were like, Dad, please help, I got off the Zoom for a couple <laughs> minutes. Anyway, all right, we are going to do the midseason awards. First six months, your TikToker of the half year is? I am Madeline. Okay, who's this? <laughs> so basically, TikTok just added this feature to their videos. They used to only be 60 seconds long. Now they've added this three-minute feature. So TikTokers have taken this and run with it. I am Madeline, my new favorite. Basically just vlogs her day from start to finish, from her morning routine, getting ready, washing her face, to going out with friends, going to lunch, going to the mall with her boyfriend's sister. She just kind of vlogs her entire life. And it gives me flashbacks to the old YouTube days when you would just watch people doing their vlogs to like short Vine clips. It just, it feels very safe because she's around my age and I I like the way that she talks and just her aesthetic in is general. Is she funny? Like what does she bring yeah, to the table? I just, I just enjoy listening to her talk. She's a very soothing voice and she just does very normal things that us teenagers do. And it just feels like this, this comfort in a sense of a weird world that we're in right now. Very normal things that you teenagers do. You you don't do anything. Well, she goes to get coffee and she goes to the mall and oh, she vlogs okay. her outfits and like her hauls from It sounds like clothing. you could do this. I, I could do Why this. Why don't you do this? Get a job. Um, <laughs> all right. I am Madeline. How do you, is it I dot M or no, is it I am? I am Madeline. I, I am Madeline. Madeline. So she's Madeline. She's Madeline. But it's with Madeline with a T. Yes, with the T, which is really important. It says How old a lot is she? about the character. Uh, she's in college. So I'm going to assume like okay. from 18 to 22 range. Great job, Madeline. Congratulations. <laughs> Your YouTuber of the half year is an old favorite. Emma Chamberlain. And there has, she has had a tremendous rise on the internet recently and has been receiving some negative attention. People have been noticing that she seems like her mental health has been kind of plummeting in her last couple of videos. As we know, the world has opened up and you're able to do more things. More things are open. There's masks are hardly required anywhere anymore, but her video content is still very similar to it was when we were in very strict quarantine rules where she doesn't leave her house often and she doesn't hang out with friends and she often mentions how she has mental breakdowns on the regular and she doesn't have a lot of friends. And although people are really concerned about her, I've taken this and I've looked at it in a light as we're living in a really difficult world as teenagers growing up and being stuck in our houses and just everything that we've been through this year. And although she seems like she's struggling a little bit, she's shown that she's trying to grow from this and she's trying to promote that it's okay to not be okay all the time. So there's a transparency to this act of Emma yeah, Chamberlain's because, career that you like. And nowadays, like YouTubers and influencers, they try to promote this perfect life that you're living, like this perfect hair and makeup, and you're always out partying with friends. And it's just, it's unrealistic to what real life is. And I, I enjoy that there's someone on YouTube still who's around my age, who's raw and who's able, like being not okay and being vulnerable with the internet rather than just acting in this like 
inefficient and not real way. So has this helped her with views and and fans and stuff like that? Or is it polarizing? I mean, she's, she's doing the best on YouTube out of any YouTuber right now. I mean, she has her coffee brand. She's She was... Um, she was being promoted by Google. Like Google was one of her sponsors. Wow. Like she, she's doing really, really well. But I think this also comes with the idea that even though people can be successful, that doesn't mean that they're happy. And although it's kind, it's kind of depressing in the entire sense of it, but I, I do enjoy that she's just completely herself and raw on the internet and shows that it's not all glamorous. That, so are you worried about her? Like, I, what, how I does am, this play out? I don't understand. I, I am worried. I'm I'm a little worried about her because I do love her, but her content is is still pretty traditional to as it always has been. Just Emma being Emma, and she's a, she's a character in herself, so it's always entertaining. It's just I appreciate that she's raw with her viewers. All right, take care of yourself, Emma. Well, <laughs> you need Emma Chamberlain because this leads to our next award, the biggest disappointment. Of oh, the brother. first half year, you lost your favorite. This favorite. is like me losing the NBA. You <laughs> lost your favorite person. Trisha Paytas is now on the cancel side. She's she's out. Well, and she didn't get canceled. She no, but she she's just, had she's a just, blow up with her partner. Blocked off the internet. So Trisha was a part of this podcast called Frenemies on H3 with Ethan Klein as her co-host, and it's it's very apparent that Trisha has mental problems. She's open about it. She has like multiple conditions. Um, but she's a very inconsistent person. And it was expected that at some point this frenemies podcast would end because of that. But Trisha had they were they were literally frenemies. <laughs> frenemies. Her and Ethan. They but were not her and friends. Ethan, they started off as just absolute like more enemies than friends, really. They just didn't get along and would talk about pop culture and and things like that and how they had completely different views on the world as Trisha has been indulged in the internet for years and years and Ethan is an older, kind of wiser guy, I would say. Yeah. Kind of like you, Dad. Thanks. You're like Ethan Klein. Thanks for comparing me to (laughs) Ethan Klein, the person I don't know. (laughs) But over time, they've grown a lot closer, and it actually seemed like they were thriving with this podcast, and Trisha just ended up having an entire mental breakdown on one of the episodes about how Ethan hired someone new for the for the podcast crew that she did not approve of, even though it's really not her company. And that this person requested an idea for a topic on the podcast that Trisha didn't like. And that led to this freak out about how Ethan's making more money than Trisha from the podcast, even though he provides all of the extra stuff to do the podcast. Right. Now he has this 5% thing that go to- that goes towards the crew. So she wanted to hire an entire new crew and it was just this entire so it was a business out. argument but this turned into trisha saying that ethan sexually assaulted her or harassed sexually harassed her my bad sexually harassed her on the podcast and just she was bringing all these things to light that were just completely fabricated it seemed or at least blown out of proportion now with all of that said the over-under for episodes for this podcast, I think you told me when it launched, was probably like 50. So what did they get to, 43? I think, I don't know. I think it was less than 43. It was a weekly thing, and it started back in December, maybe. So what happens What happens now? What happens to your girl, Trisha? Who's- so, well, here's, here's the thing. Trisha is fiance is named Moses, and Moses's sister is Ethan Klein's wife. Yeah. So either way, she is going to be tied to this family and she has completely just destructed her relationship with Ethan. 
There's no way this is There's, a fake thing. I mean, it definitely could be a publicity stunt considering how Trisha seems like manic right now, even though she said that she's not and that she's in perfect mental health. It really doesn't seem like she is considering she she talks about how she self-sabotaged herself in the past and this seems like that. Yeah. But it's just, it's it's really disappointing. And although- Just for the people listening out there, Zoe watched us every day. Every day. They're, two, they're over two hour Nobody episodes. Nobody made you laugh more than Trisha Paytas. Because- Although I accept that she is not a good person and she has had a lot of faults in the past, she is truly a character. I think she's really funny because she's so just oblivious to how awful she is. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's human Borat. Okay. And she is human she's, Borat. She's, Maybe that should be her next she's podcast. She's the roach of the internet. She'll never go away, but I am extremely disappointed in you, Trisha. Right. Best to you, Ethan. This leads us to another person you're disappointed with. Worst comeback of the half year, David Dobrik. David. He decided to come back after uh, a pretty bad- Cancellation. Yeah, justified one. A justified one, yeah. So. And now he's he's just kind of came back one day and was making YouTube videos again like nothing ever happened. See, I have a complicated array of emotions on this situation because although I am in no support of David Dobrik- I don't accept or condone anything that he did. Should I give a brief overview of what happened? Yeah, they, no, somebody right. in a, yeah. just a, just a, just Google some it. bad it's, it's allegations against one of his friends, and he accepted it. Blah blah blah. Not a good thing. Look it up if you're interested. Um, but David just one day after putting out two apology videos, the first being pretty insincere and getting a lot of backlash on the internet because of that. Put out a second video, which was more traditional to the YouTube like apology style. It was what? so, the first apology video was so bad that it led to a Saturday Night Live sketch with About- somebody, like a, a <laughs> David Dobrik type character, just repeatedly posting apology videos. It's just, it, th- that was really funny. <laughs> that was funny. The internet can be funny sometimes, guys. Yes. Still, even in 2021 when everyone's super sensitive. Yeah, but true. continuing on, David just one day decided to post a post a new Tuesday video, four minutes and twenty seconds as they usually are, and nothing's changed. He has the same cast minus the guy who had the entire situation. Mm. But it, it just seems like nothing has changed. His content's like completely the same. And although I do think that he really does harass his friends and he's not a good guy, and what he did was just unacceptable, there is some sense of comfort in David's videos being back. Oh, so you do have complicated feelings about this. It's complicated because I remember sunny summer 2019 when I got into David Dobrik, maybe it was summer 2018. So many years ago. So many years ago. It was just, it was a really nice, consistent thing in my life where I would go on YouTube on a crisp Tuesday afternoon with my with my crackers and my juice and I'd watch one of his videos and I'd get a good laugh for four minutes and 20 seconds. And that feeling came back you know, in some sense. Sometimes the ride just ends and you just move on to another ride. That was a bad one. Next one. <laughs> what type right, of mental was that? a bad. I was. I was already moving to my our next award. Favorite post vaccination trends. Okay, so I most of your here. friends are vaccinated, and life I think is starting all to get of my normal. Friends again. are. Yeah. All right. Um, give us your number one favorite post vaccination trend. I think parties are my number one right oh, now, no. and I know you don't you don't like that, but why would I like that? You're I, 16. I know, but I went to like my first like actual like party a few weeks ago, and it was I had a, a wonderful time. 
It was really fun. Well, but but the the trend is you're not saying what the trend. What is, is the trend? I thought it was like theme parties. Or oh the yeah, theme now. parties. This is an LA thing. Sorry guys. Yeah, uh, they probably do this in other places. I don't think it's specific to LA. But I went to like a what's it called a casino night party, and then there's like cowboy parties and like just these theme parties where you can put together like fun outfits and and go hang out with your friends. I okay. I enjoy parties. This I think that they're fun here. as long this as you're doing them along. safe. You like going to parties though. Dad, Dad just wants me to be a jail inmate in my room and never that leave the house. That sounds great. Just watch Grey's Anatomy and not leave Grey's <laughs> Anatomy. I do episode. that Don't and then you anymore. yell at me for doing that. <laughs> what can I do, Bill? So you did... Uh, we won't talk about the party thing, but I, I do trust you. I don't trust Ben, but I trust you. I, I trust well, you to make the I right decisions. I wouldn't trust Ben either, considering he's been at summer camp for two days and already has a girlfriend. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, I trust you to make the right decisions. Um, I don't trust you to ever get ready for anything you have to do to pack correctly on time. How dare you bring our fights into this party? This is just no, no. not relevant. I trust I trust oh? that you will behave at a party. The other fun post-vaccination trend for you is just classic beach days, which I think ties in the summer because you didn't go to the beach last year. No, I didn't because we were all stuck in our homes and beaches were closed. You weren't really allowed to, with, to go to the beach friends, with friends out, and, yeah. and do the whole thing. And now- the beach days are back where you can bring your towels and lay out and have picnic stuff and umbrellas and going in the ocean and blah, blah, blah. And by the way, F you to anyone who goes to the beach just to lay on the sand and get tan. F you. You suck. If you don't go in the ocean when you go to the beach, <laughs> I'm extremely disappointed in you and you should go back to your house and never come back. Best publicity stunt of the half year. We have, I just have written down Rodrigo versus Sabrina. I don't even know what that means. You don't know what that means? Well, explain it. Olivia Rodrigo, Sabrina Carpenter. Yeah, okay. Okay, so some background on this situation. Olivia Rodrigo had some involvement with Joshua Bassett, her co-host on High School Musical and Musical the Series, and there was a break in their relationship. Olivia released an album called Sour, which Which you broke down with your friend Ella on yes, this podcast. on this podcast. We Biggest all, album of the half year so far. We all know about this. Just basically alluding to her breakup with Joshua and how everything's horrible and she's lost him, blah, blah, blah. But then comes in Joshua's new speculated girl from a couple months ago, Sabrina Carpenter, who released a song called Skin, I think. I didn't yeah. listen to it. Um, and it was basically just about like, he's he's with me now and he you don't have him anymore. So stop talking about him. Like kind of just alluding to this. Like, this is like Biggie get off Tupac. My man. Biggie Tupac yeah, for your generation. It was, it was like, get off my man. He's yeah. mine now. He's on my skin in my bed, blah, blah, blah. A little racy, to be honest. Mm. Whatever. So Sabrina Carpenter released that. Everyone kind of got all rowdy about it, considering that season two of High School Musical, the musical, the series, where Joshua Bassett and Olivia Rodrigo have involvement on the show as their characters. Yeah. So super uncomfortable with this entire situation. But obviously, Olivia and Sabrina were pinned against each other because of this entire, like... Old-fashioned love triangle. Old-fashioned love triangle. But, but then... <laughs> There's it a plot twist. It's a plot twist. It comes out that Joshua Bassett has come out as being in some part of the LGBTQ community. I don't think he specified if what he identifies as. Yeah. Extremely happy for him. I love Joshua Bassett. I think he is a really adorable human being, and I'm happy for him that he's out now and he feels comfortable with what with whatever he is 
identifying as, which I don't know, so I'm not going to make any guesses. Great job. But you navigated that way better than I would. Thank you. I, I appreciate it. Really happy for him. But this completely debunks or doesn't the speculations against Olivia and Sabrina. I mean, they could have been with him before he realized that he It or casts maybe, some aspersions. It, like it, the timing doesn't really match. Yeah, up. it doesn't it doesn't match. But I mean, he could be bi or or whatever, and he could like girls and boys or whatever it may be, doesn't matter. But still, it was just like, whoa, like they're fighting over this guy who potentially could not have interest in either of them. Or maybe this isn't even about this guy. Maybe it was an entire publicity stunt. And it just, it rose a lot of speculation over the internet. So for the people listening, this was, out of anything you've talked about in the first half year, this love triangle and the timing of it was probably the most you've discussed. Yeah, With like Ella and people like that. Like what is going on? This is, it's so current in our lives and it's like, it speaks, this love triangles have existed for what? Millions of years since the beginning of the world. Some like, good ones on Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, Grey's. And then- 902 and 0 basically it brought Sa- back the love Sabrina triangle. Sabrina and Blair and that other guy that I don't remember his name of because I don't really like Gossip Girl that much. Ben and the two girls at Ben and the two girls at IMG. Camp right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mom, dad, all right, and so the Rod- Celtics. <laughs> Rodrigo- Rodrigo, Sabrina, we don't know how much they actually hate each other. It There's could, a possibility this was all a work, as they would say in wrestling terms. And if if it was, props to them because they did a wonderful Great job. job. Uh, best pop culture crossover into your world. Our half year winner is uh, Britney the Spears. whole Britney Spears saga, which you've you've been your been generation is fascinated by. Well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the reason that this is such a crossover moment is because Britney Spears. Although she is still an icon to anyone, she's not as relevant to my age group as she was to prior age groups yeah, and she people who existed. years ago. Yeah, people who existed when she peaked. I mean, I was what in the womb when she was. Yeah, doing you were her like minus one years in, old. I was in diapers. Yep. So I just I think that keeping up with this entire situation and how involved my generation has gotten in the free Britney movement and just like supporting Britney and learning and being on her side with everything that's happened. It's really interesting because she's not someone that I grew up loving. I knew like maybe one or two of her songs. I couldn't tell you more than that. And I don't know much about her, but I do know everything about this situation that she's going through and how horrible her life conditions are. And I, I just, I know everything that has happened with her, and she's still not someone. You found out what an IUD was. <laughs> I um, knew what an IUD was. Oh, too. sorry. Um, all right. Well, Brittany, I hope it works out for her, and I, now I she has a whole new generation well. of fans rooting for her. Yeah. Worst, worst post-vaccination trend. This is an interesting one. So you have the fall of YouTube for this. Explain this. This, this could be a very varying opinions for someone else and you could feel completely differently. But I feel like since <laughs> you what? just adjusted your hat in I'm a really strange way. Um, I feel like since COVID has ended, YouTube has gotten much worse. Except for Emma Chamberlain, who I feel like has kept her content coming weekly. Yeah. The YouTube has just been so bad recently. I used to be a YouTube connoisseur watching like Every every minute that I had free time to chill and be on my computer, I would be watching YouTube. And now that hardly ever happens because 
the content on YouTube just sucks. Like people well, are able. Well, explain why it sucks. I'm, I was getting to that. People are able to be free now and doing their own thing and like existing in the real world. And I think that's really affected YouTube and content because we've been living in our phones and our devices for the past, what, like year and a half due to COVID being stuck in our houses. And we didn't really take advantage of the fact that we have wonderful lives and we have this world all out there that we can be existing in the present. So now I feel like because of this and because we have this new sense of of life and that we're allowed to be outside and doing whatever we want, YouTubers aren't really picking up their cameras as much and filming things. They're just kind of existing, which for YouTubers and for people in general, I feel like it's a lot better that we're taking advantage of this new knowledge that we have of like not everything lasts and not everything is a forever thing. Damn, this is getting it, deep. It's, it sucks for the YouTube content because no one's filming anything anymore, really. Like there's no interesting videos out there and I'm just so I'm you disappointed would, in it. So you'd rather have the pandemic? No. I would rather have pre-pandemic when people were a lot more unaware of how important it is to really appreciate life. We left out one more pop culture crossover. What was it? I was going to spring this one on you. Yeah. You were telling me the Bo Burnham Netflix sh show. Oh, yeah. Crossed over in a TikTok world. Oh, it's huge. I think Bo Burnham's songs, I haven't watched his Netflix show yet. I love Bo Burnham. He, I think he is an you absolute genius. I did meet him. And he's a, he's a wonderful guy. He's so smart. I loved the movie Eighth Grade, and I'm excited to watch his show. But I've been hearing his song circling around on TikTok. It's like the one that's like, no, 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 time like this. And there's, 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 there's another one that's it's just, I, I really like the music, and it's all satire making fun of the internet. There's like, white woman's Instagram. And then it's just yeah. all these like things that are on our basic girls' Instagrams. But people are taking these sounds and making TikToks with them, seeing if they have these things on their Instagram. They're like stopping the video when I have one of these things on my Instagram or just using his sound for videos in the background to like explain what TikTok is. TikTok is like video memes. So they're using yeah. his sounds as video memes, which is I think what he intended them for, right? They're all satire. So so he did this awesome Netflix special. So he hits the streaming side and then it somehow crossed over into the TikTok side. And so he's, he's, he's it's about the most modern double whammy you can have. Good job, Bo Burnham. Yeah. He's always been like that though. He's always captured the attention on my age group. So good for him. He's, he's a really intelligent guy. Well, time to talk about people who haven't done as good of a job. Good segue. The biggest cancellation of the half year, Sienna May. This one. This one hurt. Sienna May was a big winner of Last the 2020 year. award. Yeah, she, she was, was your my favorite TikToker. TikToker. Yeah. Damn. Well, <laughs> Sienna is is in a sticky situation. Um, Give us the 10 second recap. Okay. Um, as you know, I get bored hearing why people got yeah, canceled. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out how to how to do this fast. Sienna, so she got canceled. She she got canceled for um allegedly sexually assaulting her partner situationship person. Okay. Um and people hate her now. I can't believe it. People loved her. They 6 loved months her. ago she was loved. Yeah. And it's, now it's over. She everyone she's just turned out. on her. Everyone hates her. Everyone <laughs> makes videos making fun of her. Ah, oh. consistently, I wouldn't ug because she, she. If this, no, I'm just surprised that yeah. it changed so fast over six months. 
the internet's a weird place, man. If you do, if you do shit wrong, people will find out and turn on you immediately. People look for reasons to turn on anyone. And although this is well deserved, if yeah. what happened is if the allegations is, are true, are true um, people turn on you. And they look for reasons to turn on you. This is why cancel culture is so toxic because anything they just search and they're like little mites and they're trying to find something that you did wrong and then bringing that to the surface and canceling you. This one was deserved, but I just, cancel culture is a very strange, strange thing. And then James Charles also got canceled. Yeah. James Charles is also in the same boat with that one seems like it was genuinely It's deserved. no, it's legit. Google, you, Google Charles. that one if Look you want up. more. I don't, yeah. I don't want to talk we about it. We won't him. be seeing James again. Uh, next award is worst Kardashian imitation of the half year. The winner is? The D'Amelio sisters. They've be- they were irrelevant at the, end, like at the start of 2020. Like when quarantine happened, they were irrelevant. I just, I don't, I well, don't. What are they trying to do now? What have they been doing in 2021 to try to mix it up? <sighs> they're making YouTube videos. They tried that dinner with the D'Amelios thing. And and they're they're doing this reality TV show that no one cares about. Like the only people that know about them are 12-year-olds. And 12-year-olds don't care for reality TV. Mm. They care for 10 seconds videos of Charlie D'Amelio dancing. And it's just, they. I don't know who the target audience is for this so-called so show. What, wait, what we're learning is that if you become famous just from doing silly dances on TikTok, it's not gonna that last. might not translate to actual no, and other this vehicles. Is why, although you thought it was silly that the girl I am Madeline was my TikToker, she's I didn't not think a, it was silly. I just well, you I, made fun of it a little bit, no, but, I but just, you were just like, and then she goes and gets coffee. No, but here's the thing: like this does is her hair. that's where it starts because it's not. It doesn't all have to be this like serious like creation thing where it's like really creative. Although that's great if you are really creative and you're doing yeah fun things. It's just like at least she's not doing silly dances, you know. We don't have a dumbest cancel culture moment award. Maybe we'll have one. For I the think end of every the year. cancel culture moment okay. is dumb. Ex- we do have a heartthrob of the year. <laughs> this is the heartthrob of the half year, Vinny Hacker. He was the one in the, in the wrestling match that Ben paid fifty dollars for without consent. Oh, we forgot to make that the no, second worst post vax trend. Is oh these, shoot, these, I wrote that down. You, jerk. I know, my bad. So I <laughs> me- I messed up. So Vinny Hacker okay, leads Dad. into Vinny Hacker is the number one heartthrob right now for yeah, and partially this is because of the wrestling match. So basically, TikTokers are doing these wrestling matches against. But they're boxing. They're, they're not boxing. Wrestling. Sorry, get your shit together. Sorry, Dad. They're boxing. TikTokers are just boxing. And you know each why other. they're doing it? Because idiots like your like brother ben. ben Simmons and his friend Lucci <laughs> are trying to pay per view it from TikTok and Melatonin. Some crazy well, some crazy website that it defaulted and they had to watch it on their computer, but they were still super happy. It's it's just I don't I don't understand it. I don't care for boxing. But Vinny Hacker is now just the, the most loved guy on the internet. Everyone wow. thinks he's extremely attractive. I'm I'm in the bandwagon. He's Vinny. Vinny Hacker's right. a good one. Vinny, stay away from my daughter. Um, <laughs> the relationship of the half year, uh, half year, I have written down Olivia Pontone and Coffee Girl. What's her name? <laughs> Olivia. Olivia Pontone. Pon- Olivia Ponton. Olivia Ponton. I think. And Coffee Girl. And Coffee. She's like coffee. All right. So explain <laughs> this. So why is this the relationship of the half year? Um. So Olivia Ponton had had some issues. She was canceled 
lightly like last year. She dated this other TikToker, Keo, and there was an entire cheating scandal. And I think mm. Olivia made a few mistakes. Um, but she has she's come back and she is now dating this girl who does food reviews who goes to UCLA and they're like the cutest couple ever. And that's it. They just okay. they make videos together, they're they're happy. They're both blonde. They look kind of similar, which is a little trippy, but they just, they're genuinely look really happy together. And there was some speculation that their relationship might be, might not be genuine. I I think it is at this point. When you say there was speculation, where is that speculation? Just on the internet. People were making videos, like trying to Photoshop, like the girl saying that she's only with Olivia because of her sister who's trying to get into a modeling agency. But this is really dragged out, if that's the case. I okay. think that they're really cute together, and I'm in full support. Best of luck to them. Best of uh, luck. Reversing course, the feud of the half year, which you had written down as Nessa and Mads. Nessa, Barrett, and Mads. I've We've talked about this before. I'm sure you those I'm, names don't ring a bell at all, and you have no idea what's going on. Two great names. Nessa is a great name, and Mads is like very memorable names. I don't know what either of them do. <laughs> what do they do? They're TikTokers. Okay. Like everyone else. Why are they in the feuding? World. Um, so Mads was dating this guy, Jaden Hostler. They had an entire relationship going. Nessa was with Josh, whatever his last name is. Don't remember. Another TikToker. Really people that don't matter much. But um Nessa and Jaden Jaden, as Mads was dating Jaden, were doing like a music video together and they were just creating music and things. And then Apparently, I think there was like some sort of cheating thing or after uh, Mads broke up with Jaden, he w- got with Nessa. It's just this entire situation. So is this situation. a love triangle or a love rectangle? Kind of a, a love rectangle because Josh This is, is what you broke down on Tea Time. Yes, okay. it is. Um, this is it's kind of old news, but they're still really hating each other. And now Nessa is happily, openly together with Jaden. And Mads has a completely new boyfriend. Kind of would have been awesome if she got with Josh. But whatever. She has a new boyfriend. I was just thinking that. (laughs) (laughs) She's posting videos like F you, Jaden. And she's really pretty. So it's like he, I don't know. I don't really like comb records. So I don't, I'm not effing with. So your team, are you team Nessa or team team Mads? I'm team Mads, but I I really don't care to be honest. Then I'm also team Mads. Good. Um, Two more. This is, this is my favorite one. The funniest trend of the half year that will definitely be the title of a 2022 Netflix movie is... This is The Ick. The Ick. Explain what The Ick is. If The Ick doesn't ring a bell, I will explain it to you. The Ick is is a thing when someone has a significant other and they see said significant other doing something that grosses them out or makes them uncomfortable or just like is a weird thing that makes them how do i explain this it just makes them go ick like ick like ew like why would they do that and it makes you unattracted to that person therefore you get the ick for them let me give an example if that didn't that that made sense let's hear the example though so let's say ben is dating his img girlfriend okay let's say img girlfriend sees ben accidentally trip while playing football but in a really uncoordinated and weird looking way. He just trips on the ground and it's like really cringy. Cringe. That's a good word. It was cringy when he fell. 
girlfriend sees this, and whenever she sees Ben, even when he's not tripping and looks nice, she envisions him tripping in her head. Therefore, she icks and cringes and can no longer be with Ben. So it's almost like the con- it's like the conjuring. What? When when you're when you have an evil spirit in your house that's yeah, just haunting no, the house. It's, it's just it's haunting your it's brain. Like, it's haunt it's haunting you. It haunts you because even if you love this person and even if they don't look like the way that they look when they gave you that ick, it's just you keep icking. Like I was talking to my friend Dylan, and she was like, "He opened the car door weird. I I have an ick for him now. I I am breaking up with him." And then she broke up with him. Wow. The car doors, man, the the falling on the ground weird, the getting coffee. And- I remember I, I would, dated this girl in the mid-90s once, and we went on two dates, and then she ghosted <laughs> me. And then I found out after it was because on one of the dates we were talking about, I was saying how I used to take baths because I had bad back, but I was just saying how I love taking baths, and apparently she got the ick from that, and that was it. Oh, my God. The ick has existed forever. The, ick, the ick's been around forever. It's just the ick didn't have an official name. Now it does. You know what? It's going to have an official. Hey, Netflix, give Zoe royalties when yeah. you make your movie called The Ick. The Ick. Oh my, that would be such a funny movie. You should just write it. Write the I Ick. I should. I should write The Ick. The Ick is a good this title is, for a movie. I can t- totally see that on your Netflix screen. This is TM. No one can take this idea. Yeah, I will sue you. It's Zoe. Zoe's claiming the idea right now. Uh, let, speaking of Zoe, the last trend, and then we're going, uh, our last award. Zoe's dumbest trend of the half year was. You've watched 14 seasons of Grey's Anatomy. 13. 13. To be exact. And here's the thing. It's been a dark year. As you know, I don't like Grey's Anatomy. I think it's a dark show. I think there's a lot of tragedy and sadness. Every time I come on, somebody's lying in a hospital bed and either they lost the ability to walk or they're about to die or they're getting bad news or they're about to be put to sleep or... Whatever. And I just don't, there's no way this doesn't affect your mood watching two, three Grey's Anatomies well, a day. What else do you expect from a hospital show? Why can't you mix it up though? Like work in like some curb your enthusiasms to like change your mood or something. Because Grey's Anatomy just invokes things in me that nothing else can. I don't, it makes me feel like I could conquer the world. Yeah, but the, we had to take you to urgent care that time because you were like dehydrated. <laughs> yeah, and, and it was the best day of my life. But you got psyched out because you went through all your Grey's Anatomy things and you were like, and then you talked yourself into some illness that you probably didn't even know. No, have. I didn't. That's not true. I, that did happen to me before, but this was not that time. I was actually really excited. I had an IV in my arm and there was there were all these EMTs around we me. We weren't excited. We were and worried. And then I, I saw people people like being rushed around in their hospital beds. I was like, oh shit, she's going to get she's going to get an appendectomy. And I was like, I was like, I'm Dr. Zoe Simmons. I will be helping you out today. Like I was I was in my element. I think that was one of my favorite days of the year. This should be this should be another TV show. After you create the ick, you could create a TV show about somebody who has no medical experience whatsoever, but just just watch Grey's Anatomy, <laughs> who now gets called into duty during a doctor shortage at a hospital, and then comes through a couple times with some right advice, and they just give her a job. They they're That'd like, be incredible. you don't need to have a medical license. You're so good at this. You're now a doctor. Just from Grey's. Just from Grey's. You know. The hospital is a really scary place. Yeah, no kidding. No, but I I was there and I was laying in my bed and I couldn't get a room for like hours because the hospital was was filled. And there was just this lady who was just 
screaming and like slamming yeah. on the wall. The hospital sucks. It's not not a fun place no, to go. Dad, it was so riveting. It was. It, this is, I was. See just, now you're going to get canceled because it's like Zoe Simmons loves hospitals. No, guys, I don't. I think that hospitals and sad things that happen to people really suck. I'm just saying from from like it's like seeing a celebrity on the street being in a hospital because I basically live in the hospital for four hours every day on TV. So then actually seeing Anatomy. it in real life, right? Is you're like, what, you're walking God. into your television. Yeah, I'm like I'm I'm living it. I was dad. I was. I in, can't wait until an you're ambulance. done with Grey's Anatomy. How many more seasons? Um, Everyone died or left the show four. except Meredith. Yeah, Meredith is going to Meredith have a walker? How is Meredith older than I am? <laughs> Meredith has been through a plane crash. Multiple people that she loves has has died. She's She's been through nearly anything a person can be through. Her husband got... Yeah, he, no, no, no. he saved hey, somebody. Spoilers, spoilers. Yeah, okay, sorry. Spoilers? Who are we spoiling it for? Okay, the show's just, been on just, for 17 I'm, years. I'm just telling you there's spoilers ahead. Is Meredith your favorite character? No. Meredith honestly bugs me sometimes. Alex Karev is my favorite character. Oh. All right. That's it for the half season awards. So we'll see you back on this podcast, assuming we both make it at the end of the year. But yeah. you might pop on. And hopefully. You might pop on Ringer Dish a couple of times. Before hopefully the- we're, we're not. We're in a better place. Just, and you're not letting me walk around with drug dealers not caring where I am. Just be, prepa- be more prepared. <laughs> Figure out how to get from point A to point B. Pack. Get your stuff ready and and don't realize guys, two minutes before you're guys, about to do something guys, that you have to a, do this something. This is a joke. We love each other. We love each other very much. And I'm very fortunate to have my dad as my dad. But oh, that's what a bag. great way to end this podcast. No, I really do. I love you a lot. But thanks. We've so. been better. <laughs> I'm dad. Well, maybe this podcast. Dad, it's, us. it's been great, but you have given me the ick, and we need to break up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for coming on, Zoe. Simmons. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks to Waz and Chris. Thanks to Matt. Thanks to Zoe. Thanks to Craig Horaback filling in for Nephew Kyle today as our producer. We'll be back on Thursday with one more. We'll see if the clips can drag this along. Holy shit. What a playoff. See you on Thursday. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com.